Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing a bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells chime in jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in jingle bell square. In the frosty air, what a bright time! It's the right time to rock the night away. Jingle bell time is a swell time to go gliding in the one horse sleigh. Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. Jingle around the clock. Mix and mingle in the jingle and beat. That's the jingle bell rock. Jingle bell time is a swell time to go gliding in the one horse sleigh. Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. Jingle around the clock. Mix and mingle in the jingle and beat. That's the jingle bell rock. Jingle bell. What Christmas movie is this? Staring at a young blonde woman. about to blow a couple lines of coke. She's cleaning up. I love the shift in tone in this. We're sitting here right now watching the opening for one of the coolest Christmas movies. One of the best family holiday movies. Lethal Weapon. Classic. Anyway, hi. You are listening to the Christmas special in love with the process. We are going to give you a holiday, supersized holiday special with no commercials, no ads, mostly because uh, I just played that clip and I probably could put ads on this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> joining me on today's show is uh, Lance. Lance Williams is here. What back. Up? Back. We haven't been on the microphone since uh, Film Quest. Yeah. It's good to be back, man. Yeah, dude. I have a question watching this clip. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be Mel Gibson's wife? Is that her killing herself or something? No. Who's this supposed to be? You I don't, don't remember, remember this. How do you I remember know? This okay, as well. okay. So, the movie opens. I'm gonna get crucified by people now. You're, you're gonna get crucified by me. <laughs> the movie opens. This is like very sort of dark, L.A. skyline helicopter shot that goes through downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. 
pretty epic uh, helicopter move, camera move, as it goes all the way up to a building. They zoom into the blowing curtains and into the space where there is a young, I think she's like 20, 21-year-old that, uh, you know, this is the 80s, so bear with it, but she's topless. Mm. And she's in this room, and she's obviously drugged out. She gets up on the balcony, and she tosses herself off the balcony down into a car. It's pretty awesome. Now, this is the catalyst. This is the beginning of the movie. It's the mm-hmm. catalyst for our characters. This is the mm-hmm. reason why they do shit. Uh, it's not Mel Gibson's fucking wife. Who is it? It's the dude. Okay, so the she is the daughter of the guy that Danny Glover's character went to Vietnam with. Uh, and she throws herself off and she kills herself. And so he shows up and he's there and they're like, do you know this person? He's like, I know this person. And so then mm. he ends up talking to this guy that he went to Nam with, and the guy's a little shady and crazy, yeah. uh, and turns out that there's a bigger plot afoot. See, I blame my parents for this, because they made me turn my head when the boobs came on screen, so no, I have no frame of reference for this scene. I, this, 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 I got a lot of other beats from the movie that stick out to me, but this one, like when you said topless, I was like, she's topless? Yeah, this, I didn't even know that. There's 90s boobs in this. Like late 80s, Thanks, early 90s Mom. boobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And this was like a big... Stop judging me, everybody that's listening. <laughs> if you're over a certain age, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That was a big draw to go to movies back then. Like, we didn't have, you know, fucking Pornhub slammed in our face at three years old like everybody mm-hmm. does right now. So, back then, a big draw was, you know, nudity in mm-hmm. movies and sex scenes in movies. And, you know, we were more innocent Yeah, because I feel like that's also where it could happen. Because it was definitely not happening on TV, even cable. No, no not even close. You know? Not even close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was still... Very strong rules against all yeah, that you stuff. You go to the movie, like people cuss. Someone might be naked. Someone mm-hmm. can die. Like it's more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, oh, there's a bunch of spirals that I can get out from there. But the first one is that this opening and this music mm-hmm. is what I sent Big Black Delta when he was scoring our movie. Oh, right, because it's that first song. It's the first song, nice. and it's the Christmas song, and it was the Christmas song vibe and like that mm-hmm. tone shift vibe. Yeah, because there's the tone shift from this into Eric Clapton and them's music to <clears throat> what Big Black Delta does. I love how you feel like it's something else starts to happen. You're like, oh, what, what are we getting into? What's this? Yeah, you get into this this stuff here. Yeah. She's looking out the window. God, the score's so good. It's so cool. She stands up on this balcony. It's beautifully shot. Considering that the, everything was on film, very full display of 90s boobs. <laughs> You're not doing yourself favors on that. There it is. Like Leonardo DiCaprio in One Spot by Hollywood. Don't, don't, don't compare me to him. <laughs> uh, and then, yep, she tosses herself off. Wow, what a great shot passing the building. Shit. Great opening. Great yeah. opening for a movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Great opening for a film. Um, so Jenny yeah. would never jump. Was that? Jenny would never do that. She wouldn't jump. Jenny? Jenny. She's a good girl. Forrest Gump's gal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, who the fuck are we talking about? Jenny said, you know what? No, I think I got I got to get back home. I got to get my mind right. <laughs> she would have made Forrest jump. She, was a, she wasn't a good girl. She was a real, she was a real controlling little lady. Jenny, so there, I have opinions about certain characters in movies, right? Like Jenny's one of them where I feel like, I don't know. I feel like she's the problem here. Yeah, 100%. And then also fucking um, Daniel's son in Karate Kid. I'm like, he's doing this to himself. Yeah. 
the guys in the bathroom are just trying to smoke a little joint. And, you know, they're like, ah, you know, let's get a little high, go out here, maybe dance. I got my skeleton costume on. And Danny's like, I'm a shower. I'm just going to spray a bunch of water on these guys and fuck their joint up. And these are high school kids. And, like, maybe it wasn't easy to get that little bit of weed. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And now you've ruined their time. Mm-hmm. Also, what if they're already super stoned and all of a sudden you're getting doused in water in the bathroom? That's a wild experience <laughs> to be having. Yeah, you got to kick this kid with some karate moves. That's right. That's, that's what you have to do yeah. when you're freaked out. You're just uh, like, this is why I go to karate I class. Got to got to karate chop somebody yeah yeah, yeah. i gotta throw yeah. those meat sticks at your right. face yeah <laughs> no big deal. like throw him down a hill or some shit <laughs> uh, uh well the other thing that i was gonna rant about i like these rants was that um i talked about it briefly i think on last episode but i was watching this doc the other day you would have found fascinating it's not like a real doc it's like a youtuber mm-hmm. sort of video essay kind of doc. as if i'm like yeah it's not a real doc it's a youtuber doing it yeah right um but it's a piece on 80s movies, 80s action films. Oh. And the, he does a really good job deciphering what an 80s action movie is. And it was circling around Days of Thunder. Ooh. Because his thesis was that Days of Thunder ended the 80s action movies. So that was the oh, movie shit. that ended everything. And so he goes even deeper into uh, Jerry Brockheimer and Don Simpson. And there was a bunch of stuff that I didn't know about Don Simpson. So they were the two. Yeah, I know Brockhammer, but not Don Simpson. So like, if you watch like Top Gun, if you watch mm-hmm. Flashdance, if you watch any of the early stuff with the lightning strike, it was Simpson and Brockheimer. So ah. they were a duo. Now, apparently, I may get some of these facts wrong. So if anybody wants to do this, I think you can just search on YouTube for like uh, Days of Thunder ending 80s movies or something. Um, but bear with me. So Simpson... I think this is right. Simpson was originally an executive, I think, at Paramount Mm -hmm. at one point in time. Um, And this was right around the time period where everybody, the public, the general public, and the studios in particular were kind of tired of the 70s movies. Because most 70s films ended on a down note. They were kind of depressive. They were about, uh, you know, most of them were about male heroes that were sort of like going through the shit Mm -hmm. and like it ending pretty poorly. Look at like Chinatown, look at like Mm -hmm. all these films from that time period. But it was also a period where the directors were key. They were getting, they were getting the most money. So Mm -hmm. they, they were the ones in charge of everything. They were the ones that were making all the decisions. And so I think Simpson, what this guy's hypothesis is, if I said that right, is that, uh, Simpson was one of the producers that wanted to shift the tide, wanted the power to come back to the producer and not come to the director. Oh. And so they, t- Simpson came up with a specific formula for movies that became the 80s action movie. Yeah. And his formula was super basic. Like the opening had to have a music intro. Every mm. one of his movies has a music intro. Smart. Halfway through the movie, at a certain point in the movie, there was some sort of like montage, like a, another mm. 80s song montage. He was doing that. Volleyball scene, Top Gun. Specifically for two reasons. One, they sold the shit out of soundtracks back then. So they, they, his movies, him and Brockheimer's movies had some of the, I think they were the biggest uh, selling soundtracks ever Mm -hmm. for that time period. Uh, And two, MTV was massive. Mm -hmm. And so they would do music videos for that. And then that would be the advertising that they needed for movies. Two moves for that, right? Then for character stuff, his whole move for, uh, if, at least all of the Tom Cruise movies, but most of those movies in general, was that there was a younger character that was trying to f- get into some sort of trade, some sort of craft. He had to learn his shit. He had to learn from an yep. older mentor. He had to yep. go through the process of a mentor. Um, and then uh, towards the end of the movie, the 
in the beginning of the movie, he had sort of like a faux bad guy, kind of like Iceman from fucking Top Gun, right, who right. really isn't the bad guy, but it was enough to be competitive for him to get better yeah. as he went through the bit. But as the, in the back end of the movie, the bad guy would reveal himself. Like mm-hmm. there would be some sort of reveal of who they yeah. actually had to put all those skills and those talents towards. And mm-hmm. That was a big deal. And that was the formula for all those movies. Top yeah. Gun, Flashdance. I feel like this is helping me to understand the path of my own life way more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. So, so, and I love these movies. I love this formula. That formula was incredibly successful for them. With the hit that they had with Top Gun, the hit that they had with Beverly Hills Cop, the hit that they had with Beverly Hills Cop 2, mm-hmm. um, they were given car blanche by, I forget what main studio. I don't know if it was Paramount or one of the big places. Oh, yeah, because Beverly Hills Cop starts with the... Um Oh, fuck. I was just talking about this the other day, too. Uh, uh, what's that song at the top? Oh. The Heat Is On. Oh, that's right. It starts with The Heat Is On. He's hanging on the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. Actually, in the new trailer, they show that truck. They're chasing it in one of the scenes in the trailer. I was like, oh, what a nice little callback. <laughs> I was trying to back out. I was like, look, look, look. And that's it. That truck, that's in the scene. That's what he's hanging on the back of the plane. The Heat Is On. And she's like, I don't care, dude. She goes, I haven't seen it. All right, fuck. All right. Uh, so, um, all that stuff was fascinating. And then what they did, part of their formula was <clears throat> they were to just hire commercial directors mm. to have them come in because they can control the commercial directors. Smart. Sounds pretty familiar when you Smart. think about Disney yeah. right now and how Disney does shit. Yeah. <clears throat> so they yeah. would hire these directors to come in. The directors would, uh, and who they were working with a lot was Tony Scott. Tony Scott did Top Gun. Tony Scott did mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Tony, Tony Scott did... Days of Thunder. Tony yeah. Scott also did... Fucking love Tony Scott. Much later. I think I don't think it was the 80s. I think Last Boy Scout was after all that. <clears throat> so they bring in this young director that could make things stylistic and fun and, mm-hmm. and, and cool, but they essentially had the control over everything. Yeah. And that was the, the deal. And so they're making an ass load of money. They, he actually read... When they got the deal with Paramount to one of the big studios, they put out an advertisement in Variety or one of those magazines that just <laughs> talked about how all of their top movies and all the shit that they did and how the first time ever that they've been giving complete carte blanche. They didn't have to get approval on budget. They didn't have to get approval oh, wow. on, on talent. They didn't have to get approval on anything. And the movies were hits, right? So Every. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> so fast forward, Days of Thunder, mm-hmm. right? And so if you look at Tom Cruise's career, he quite obviously learned a lot from Don Simpson because mm-hmm. he has then used that same formula for all his movies. He still uses oh, yeah. that same basic formula for his current movies and how he does things. Yeah, because it definitely applies to Mission Impossible. Yes, for sure. And so, um, which is genius, actually. <laughs> so then, fast forward, Tom Cruise comes back and says, hey, we should do another Top Gun. And they go, okay, cool. Let's do uh, NASCAR. So NASCAR Top Gun, which was mm-hmm. Days of Thunder, and mm-hmm. let's bring in the whole Top Gun team. Do it all again. Do the whole thing all over again. Now, apparently, it was a nightmare. So apparently, the movie was budgeted at like $30 million, $40 million or something like that. and ended up costing them twice the amount, $70 million. Okay. I, they shot it, I think, down in Daytona. Mm. Um, so the stuff that I've heard from behind the scenes is that uh, Tony Scott couldn't make a decision on anything. He couldn't put a camera in a place without the two of them weighing in. Don Simpson decides that he wants to be an actor. So he's in the movie. Who's he playing in the movie? So <clears throat> he plays a pretty forgettable character. He's like another one of the car drivers. And he's introduced uh-huh. like right in the opening sequence. And apparently he had a bigger role all throughout the movie, but they cut all of it out. <laughs> So he's just at the back end. I think that makes him an actor now. I think that experience right there is like, welcome. Now you're, now you're in. 
So uh, they, he, uh, Tony Scott couldn't put a camera anywhere without them up his ass. And it was uh. a huge pain in the ass for it. Um, but then one would say that uh, Days of Thunder became the ultimate Tony Scott film and mm. became the formula that is everything Tony Scott after that right. was that movie. Right. Um, then uh, they said, oh, <laughs> so it's, we're talking about the peak of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So Simpson builds a gym on the beach at Daytona while filming. So they spend a million dollars and build a gym on the beach. This sounded like one of the Rocks movies. Yeah, glass, glass windows. And he puts the logo of the movie, Days of Thunder, over the gym. And the gym's primary purpose was to get women. So they just filtered in women off the beach to go work out and to do stuff. And every night they would have ridiculous parties on this movie. Ridiculous parties on this movie. They were talking, like, uh, apparently, I have to read his book. He actually has a, a biography out there where he talks about, like, the amount of coke that this guy did, the amount of stuff that this guy wow. did. Like, crazy. You want to talk about, I mean, he's dead. He died soon after. Don Simpson. Don Simpson, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, you want to talk about him being canceled if he wasn't dead. Wow. Well, you know, so all also, that Also, I wonder, like, it's such a labor to, when you get up in the morning, have your get your head right, have your plan for the day. <laughs> go in and execute for, for everyone to do that well, right? I have no clue how they were partying like they were in the 80s and still making the movies they Cocaine, were man. Cocaine. Just craziness. Jesus. Just craziness. It's so, fucking water world. Apparently, uh, all that being said, the movie cost $70 million instead of $30 million, and it tanked. It Ooh. fucking tanked. Formula didn't work. And immediately they lost their deal. Like, all that stif- stuff fell apart like right after that movie. Mm-hmm. And that is according to this guy according to his hypothesis on on uh youtube that is the end of 80s movies was right then there right there there what year was that is that, is that late 80s? it's right at the back end yeah it was like right before 90 i, I want to say 88 89 something yeah. like that yeah mm. that's what i was also thinking about that makes sense too because I feel like the landscape bounces back and forth between when movies are really good and when music's really good mm-hmm. and if that's the end of the 80s era right there at the end of the 80s with with days of thunder then the 90s music just fucking takes over mm-hmm. and gets really good and then we get into the mid 90s movies start to crawl their way back and then movies start to get a little better fucking matrix sure uh, i mean in the 90s was like this is what i hope happens in hollywood right now mm-hmm. the 90s was also another auteur revolution right mm-hmm. so that you had all of the festival auteur directors mm-hmm. you had tarantino you had rodriguez you had all those guys yeah that's what saved i think the that's industry. absolutely happening right now we were just looking at the trailer for american fiction last night uh jeffrey Wright's new movie and talking about how i think we're getting into an era of really good movies because there's been just so much ip yeah that I think it's it's not even superhero fatigue. I don't think it's any of that shit. I think it's, it's just the fact that like we just want other experiences. Like it's gotten to the place point now where like when you go to the movies, it starts to all become the same experience, and then you're like, ah, oh, well then why do I want to go? Mm-hmm. And then the the industry will be like, oh, streamers streaming is killing it. I'm like, no, I think some of the studios are killing it because you're putting out the same formulaic content. Mm. And so we're not getting a different experience. So then why do we need to go to the theater? I can just watch it at home. I already know what it's going to be. Mm. So I'll just watch it at the house. Yeah, right. You have to make it into an event to take people right. to the theater. And now because in, in a way, great way it's worked out for other films because you get stuff like um, American Fiction or um, what's Nicolas Cage's new flick? Uh, Dream oh, Scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where these are the movies you go, oh, what is that? I want to go to the movies and see that. 
Because mm. like it's something that I'm interested in seeing and I want to have that new experience with this new story at the theater, mm. you know, and like be a part of that with people. Do you think everybody wants to do that or do you think just the nerds want to do that? I think everybody, man. Because I think... <laughs> Even you know what the reason I say this because when Oppenheimer came out and granted it benefited from like the whole Barbenheimer thing, but opening night of Oppenheimer, we went to a twelve forty five a.m. showing at IMAX TCL, mm -hmm. and it was fucking packed. Yeah, it was dude. It was sold out for it, yeah, weeks. and that that right there, I go sure. There's yep. the Barbenheimer thing as it goes along, but on that opening night. It's like the people that are going to the 12.45 a.m. show, I don't think they're going because it's like, no, I'm going to go see Barbie right after this. You know what I mean? Because there's no fucking screening after that. The, like the, the game isn't happening right then on that night, you know? Mm. And like these are people who showed up because they're like, I don't mind taking a nap and coming out here and watching this shit at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, look, people want it. People want something else. They want the experience of the theater and that 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 new thing and that escape again. And I think if you're so familiar with the characters and the stories and the content, because it's on the streamer and it's in the movie theaters three, four times a year, you're not getting that escape anymore. And then even mm -hmm. with Instagram, like it's just constantly news about uh, a Marvel thing or this or that. Even like recently uh, this week they had Insomniac Games that got hacked and the hackers tried to ransom them uh, and they basically said, kiss my ass. And really? so the hackers drew, released everything they had planned up to like 2030, I think. So like game titles, you know, like they have like the calendar with like the little dot lines of like, here's this title of this year and this title, they released everything, released all their casting breakdowns for uh, the characters they have for next games, multiple different titles, like what plan plans that they were going to do, but decided not to do still art video clips of, of test graphics and demos and shit, all kinds of stuff. And I thought, oh, it's so fucking wild. They're like, People want this. They just want to be in the know so fucking bad that like now this company takes the hit. I'm like, are we not getting enough fucking Wolverine already as it is? Like, at what point is just like, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm gonna, I want to see something else. I want to go enjoy something else. Like, I don't. I'm cool with getting this when it comes out. I don't need to see the behind the scenes paparazzi photo sure. and the leak. I don't care. I'll just see the thing when it comes out and like that's fine, man. It's enough of it already. Sure. And mm, I got a couple thoughts on that. Like. How does that ultimately hurt the company, though? Because I feel like, if anything, that'll just get released. There's all sorts of buzz around it because they're like, this was yeah. a hack, and there were well, hackers. I think because they've that. responded to it so positively that, and, and because the, and again, so I feel like the culture is shifting back towards the the creators or creatives, right? Yeah. The response online, there's been a bunch of bunch of you know pages that'll like post all the shit. They don't care. They want the likes. They want the views. They want the laugh. The gratif instant gratification. But then you get like the, the bigger ones, or, or I saw one guy where he was condemning like IGN and some of the bigger publications. We're like, why are you perpetuating it? Like, why are you, I, I get that, you know, it is what it is and it's news, but you're this reputable source. It would be like if, um, I don't know, Sony, Mar Marvel's shit gets hacked and leaks their next 10 year plan. And then Variety and the Hollywood Reporter were like, here's all of it. Mm -hmm. But shouldn't you have some integrity in your journalism? And because there is a pocket of the audience that's going, yeah, this is kind of fucked up. I, I would rather enjoy this how they want me to have it. I think that to me, that right there showing me that like people are going back towards the artist now. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's mm -hmm. less about just like, oh, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's like, well, no, this feels wrong. And like, I, I want to support this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll naturally just bleed over into like the way that we pull up for movies and the kind of movies that we want. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I'm not going to be a naysayer about it. I think that at the risk of being an asshole, 
I think that uh, the audience will do what the audience is sold to do. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, the reason why, uh, you know, Oppenheimer was a great experience was because of the marketing mm -hmm. that made it a great experience. I think uh, when you look at uh, Top Gun and how successful fucking Top Gun mm -hmm. is and was, mm -hmm. um, that is uh, due to nostalgia, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big part of nostalgia. But then also they made it an, an event with how he did all his practical effects and mm -hmm. how he did all that sort of stuff to the point where they were just pushing like, we don't do any CGI. There's a lot of CGI in the movie. Yeah. But, but it was the idea of like, go to see this movie for its spectacle and its thing. So the audience was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go see it for the spectacle. But even word of mouth is shifting it too, right? When Godzilla Minus One came out, there was tickets all day long. Yep. Most, the first time I looked to go, there was no one in any seat. Yep. And I ended up not going. And then the next time I went to go buy a ticket, like a week later, everything was sold out. And the only thing that had changed between the first time I looked and the second time was just being out and about around town and people being like, you seen Godzilla Minus One? You can see, it. it's so good. I was like, oh, I watched this movie. My so-and-so watched it and told me about it. And they cried when they left. And I thought, wow, this really, this movie is called a second win just because people are talking about it. And yeah. Again, I think then the culture is shifting, the audience is shifting going, I like this, I want more of this shit, so I'm gonna tell people about it. And then yeah. other people are going, yeah, I want that experience too. I wanna, you felt something when you watched it? I wanna feel something, well, I'm gonna go watch it too. Yeah. Because so, it blew my mind, like, I, so I was like, how the fuck is this sold out? Nobody's gonna see this shit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, hmm, there's a couple of business things that I'm not sure of. And I'm curious about the mm -hmm. first couple of questions that I would ask are when you release a movie opening weekend, opening weekend profits go to the studio, uh -huh. right? And then after opening weekend or whatever the deal is, I don't know if it's the first two weeks or just opening weekend, then the profits go to the exhibitors. Mm -hmm. And so that's why there's this big push for opening weekend. How much mm -hmm. did your movie make opening weekend? Because that's the profit that the studio makes. Uh, that's the rehash, right? So there's a piece of me that wonders, okay, Godzilla, they did a limited release because it's, an, it's a foreign film, essentially. Yeah. It's a foreign film from Japan, it's subtitled. So they did a limited release, and I wonder if every time they release it again, if it they have like that first weekend where they make a profit, mm. or if it's just on, oh, on opening. And I, I wonder if it's like- Because then they got the black and white release coming too, and if that's the case, that's gonna be a real- Right, and I wonder yeah. if they make profits. I don't know the details on it, but I wonder if they make profits every time they release to a new chain mm. or a new place, which is smart because then my point would be this, because of the urgency that studios have for opening weekend to sort of make back the 300 million or whatever the fuck it is that they're mm -hmm. trying to make on their stuff, there's this giant push push towards like, ooh, that was almost dangerous. This is giant. the $2 cup of water next to the $3,000 laptop. <laughs> my bad. There's a giant push towards like one specific date for stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't hit that number, then it's a fucking failure and the movie yeah. falls apart. And so then all films have to be crafted in a specific way mm -hmm. to get people in the seats and to get people talking about them, whether that's like cram it with as many celebrities as possible, yeah. do all this other bullshit. So I wonder... If, in my misguided sort of idea of this, if there is a new way in which you could slow roll out movies mm -hmm. and let word of mouth actually carry those movies yep. and still make a profit for you. Yeah. Because the problem is, if it was any other film that was relying upon opening weekend, the word of mouth isn't making a profit for mm -hmm. the studio or the but people. But if you're doing multiple limited releases, then you have time to let people sort of in like hang around and talk and go, works, oh, yeah. it's not in there more? It's supposed to come back. Mm -hmm. And then now, now you, you play into the FOMO, you play into all that shit. It's an interesting or, idea. Or here's a wild idea, and this might be a little crazy. 
go back to mid-budget movies. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a $20 million dollar movie Ooh, probably has a great chance of making his money back. I, almost, I don't know. I almost choked on my eyes. Oh, that's a crazy one. I know. Mm. That's really outside the box thinking. No, I'm going to spend too much money on that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like even a 50. What could what the fuck could you do with $10 million? Well, you got to remember, you make something for $10 million and then apparently all the marketing and all that stuff costs $30 million at a, at a, a low point. So anything you make, whether it's a $5 million movie or if it's a $30 million movie, it's still going to cost you $30 million to advertise that movie, do print and commercial and all that other stuff. So mm. at the end of the day, you make a $10 million so 50, movie. So a $50 million movie with marketing budget. Exactly. And now you have to make $100 million on the back of that in order for the studio to go, oh, well, this is a real profit. That's why we're in where we are, man. That's why we have IP. Every yeah. time I talk to like my, like my mom, she goes, why are there no original movies? And I'm like, because of that. Can't. You, because the studios want to have such a high profit margin. And that's what happens when you have giant corporations and panels and, and shareholders that yeah. are making decisions on these things because they want a massive profit, profit mm -hmm. margin. So I wonder if that's helpful when like they do things like American Cinematheque or the SAG screeners, DJ screenings, where you get people talking about the movie and that's like you know at that point you're paying for what like the the space mm -hmm. and you get people talking about it who love the craft and then they go off and talk to other people yeah i mean like, there's a there's a piece of me that's like i think the most important the most important part of a movie other than the film which is the reason to make it is the marketing and i mm -hmm. think that if you are going to spend money on marketing, you have to have a marketing department that thinks out of the box. And A24 yeah. has always done a really good job with that. But you need to have a marketing department that goes, mm. what are we doing? Have you had anybody from marketing on the show before? No, I sat on a plane next to a guy, which I should have on the show, who worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be really cool to hear from the the studio and the indie side what that looks like. I would. I should. Um, the guy that I was on the plane, I was coming back from, I forget where I was. Oh, Louisiana. I was coming back from Louisiana and I was sitting next to this guy on an airplane and he might listen to the show. So what's up, man? And I'm going to, I'm going to air out some of your shit right now. Um, so we were on an airplane and I saw this guy and he was submitting to festivals on his laptop and mm. it was right around the time when we were doing right. festival submissions. So I couldn't help myself and I looked mm. over and I was like, no, oh, it's a pain in the ass, isn't it? And he was like, oh, I'm trying to decide. I'm trying to figure out which, what's worth and blah, blah, blah. So we talked a lot about that. But then he was like, yeah, I used to work for marketing. And I worked for marketing for a couple of big studios and the mm. big studio stuff. And I was like, cool. What kind of stuff did you do the marketing for? Some of the ideas and the stuff that he was telling me, he had like one or two that he was really proud of. But a majority of the marketing ideas that come out of these departments are the, are the dumbest, most lame, mm. most formulaic fucking bullshit ever. Yeah. All the way down to like, you know, we should do Instagram stories. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you feel like that department is just a bunch of graduates that come out of a marketing school and they went online and they saw a couple of videos on how to correctly market things. Mm -hmm. And then that's the kind of shit that you're getting. That's why I think now you see with movie trailers, there's more often than not, you get the the quick sizzle reel, like two, like five second clip and it goes, the trailers now. Mm -hmm. And then it starts because most of like, I think, uh, depending on what the movie is, but most trailers start pretty gentle. Mm -hmm. You know, you might get like a little sound effect or a little note to kind of bring you in from the score. There's a nice, easy visual. It's very slow. And that attention span is going to be like, nah, fuck it, skip. Mm -hmm. That's you know? it. That's completely you get the, it. Wow, 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 
out of the rock and he throws a lightning bolt <laughs> the trailer now and all right black adam okay cool yeah now i can watch the slow five 30 seconds of just like the desert in egypt before i actually see some shit you're right and i go <sighs> it's that little countdown to skip button that's off yep. on the side that's really what yep. that's there for mm-hmm. and they know it's there yeah because that and then that's like youtube's way of being like mm, we originally weren't gonna have ads and yeah. so like now they're out of fucking control now mm-hmm. I feel like I watch more ads on YouTube than oh, I ever yeah. watched on ABC, oh, yeah. NBC. They're, yeah, it's they're, nonstop. They're out of control now. You get like ones that, oh, this is a third. I had one the other day. It was a 90-second ad I could not skip. Yeah. And it was just seconds. a music video. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Whose music video is this? I mean, the song was great, but also like, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch the thing I clicked on. What I is f- this? I feel like after that, they should just have a representative from YouTube come on and just sort of wink at you with like a real shit-eating grin and go, don't like that? Buy our, our premium service. Whoopsie. Yeah. And the little guy pop out. <laughs> he just comes out and he goes, you don't like that, do you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pay so for YouTube red. Pay for our shit, and then you don't have to do... Yeah. I, can, I have no longer can fuck with you if you pay for our shit. You're like, fuck yeah. off, man. Fuck off. Yeah. Anyway, that was a real deep rant. Uh, <laughs> so, Chris, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. I actually had a question for you. Yes. I was talking about this the other day. Um, what is, so when you think back to your childhood, mm-hmm. what was your ideal Christmas day from start to finish? You wake up Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. Take me through the ideal Christmas day when you're young. How young? Wherever you want to put it. Excuse me. Um, that was a raptor in the studio with us. Um, I would say, hmm, I think I think Christmas got great for me, and I, I know my dad listens to the show. Uh, Christmas got great for me when I was old enough, because I was the oldest in the family, mm-hmm. right? So um, uh, my I had three other brothers and sisters, a brother and two sisters, and so when I was old enough to sort of fully experience just beyond the, Hey, Santa showed up, we're going to run downstairs and we're going to open up gifts. Like once I got older than that and I was kind of in on Santa, not being a spoiler for anybody that's under the age of, you know, 12. Santa's not real. Yeah. Santa's not (laughs) real. Uh, <laughs> Got to rip that bandaid off. So I was, uh, once I was in on that and I was helping, so I would help my mom on a lot. So I would see sort of the excitement that was coming vicariously through my brothers and sisters, which was yeah. fun. Um, I was telling Gina this, the one thing, one of the things that my, my, my parents did really fucking well for us as kids was they made a real big deal over Christmas. Mm. It was a big deal. Yeah. Like uh, there was a, in a time, there was an entire room in our house, and we didn't have a big house. There was an entire room that we were not allowed to go into because it was the fancy living room, mm. and the only time that we can go into the fancy living room was during Christmas. So, Shit. just stepping into that space and yeah. being in that space, it felt special. It felt different. We always had a giant tree, mm-hmm. no matter what our my dad's income situation was at that time. And then there was always. A plan. So Christmas, this is a longer story. Christmas Eve, um, our gift to our parents, forced gift to our parents every year at Christmas mm-hmm. Eve, uh, was that we had to put on a Christmas pageant. <laughs> is this where the Little Mermaid comes in? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever talked about that on the show? I, I think maybe. My mom, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, we had to put on a Christmas pageant, and it would flip every year. So it would be one for mom, one for dad. And mm-hmm. so... For about a week or two weeks in advance, there'd be rehearsals, 
Yeah. There'd be like costume. My dad was a really great seam. You call a seamstress? I yeah, think so. I think so. So yeah. my dad was a really great seamstress. Seamster? Seamster. <laughs> local <laughs> local 205 yeah. seamster. It sounds like he's on the back of a truck with a needle. <laughs> Go see the seamster. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, my dad would build like these pretty intense wardrobes and outfits, or my mom would like be hyper obsessed with like beaches and Bette Midler and mm -hmm. the Beach Boys. And so yeah. we were doing rehearsals. So there was a big build. Yeah. And, you know, and Christmas Eve was a big night. That was where, uh, We'd pull from a hat and we'd give gifts to each other for siblings, oh, cool. which is Christmas Eve. Um, and then Christmas Day was a big deal because mm. we would have family in. And we started to have family at our place because I was allergic. So I was allergic to cats and dogs and my yeah. grandmother had cats. And so the arrangement was, we're going to have Christmas at our place. So my dad, being my dad, would put on a massive fucking meal, like yeah. a massive meal. And it would be, the family would be there. And it was very ornate, like a huge table mm -hmm. with like beautifully decorated shit. The house like literally looked like one of these Christmas cards, you know, like one of these like classic Christmas yeah. cards, like that kind of vibe. Um, and so uh, when I was, when we were super young, our parents didn't want us at the Christmas table. Yes, at the kids' table? Well, no. What they would do is they'd say, you guys don't want any part of this anyways. You got a bunch of gifts for Christmas, or we'd rent a video game system, and they'd put us down in the in the refurnished basement that we had. So okay. they'd go, you go, stay downstairs. You're not up here for Christmas dinner. Yeah. We'll feed you like- Because if you're a kid who's, who likes video games, that's the shit. They'd, they'd hand us a tray of pizza rolls, and we'd be like, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as kids, and you get downstairs, and you play games mm -hmm. all night, which yeah. was awesome. But I wanted upstairs- because I loved food. I loved cooking. I loved all that stuff. And I wanted yeah. to be upstairs. So when I was at that age where I was finally allowed to go oh. upstairs and sit at the adult table and none of the other kids were allowed to come upstairs and sit at the adult table. Yeah. That was a good Christmas. What was that walk up the stairs like the very first time you get called upstairs? <laughs> it wasn't even called. I would just get downstairs be able to play some games and stuff because I could enjoy both mm -hmm. worlds. And then I'd go, I'm going upstairs. And the kids really didn't give a fuck. They, yeah. they, they were just like, we don't want anything to do with it anyways. Yeah. And also like, well, I get to play the game now, so fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But then when I went upstairs and sat at that table, and I think that was a big thing for me as a kid in general is that I would always be hanging around adults, whether it was like the guys next door that would work on cars mm -hmm. Or if it was like hanging out with my uncle David, who was like twice, tw almost twice, more than twice my age, mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to be in the conversation. Yeah. And so my next task was like, how do I have conversations with people that have much more life experiences than I do and still yeah. be valued in that conversation? Mm -hmm. So, anyway, that was mine. What's yours? <sighs> Similar in. in Actually, I want to talk. Go back to the thing you talked about about like the tables, because uh, this was actually a Thanksgiving thing we had done a few times, where we were able to get the whole family over. Uh, we hit, my parents had just gotten this house out outside of town in Frederica, <clears throat> and we had this long ass kitchen. Mm -hmm. And then my dad and some uh, buddies of his had come by, and it's uh, like the early, like you know, like you getting your hands dirty as a kid, helping dad hand tools. And we had built a wall between uh, to split the living room, so there was a dining room. So we're like helping them sheet rock in this whole wall and like mm -hmm. build it. And they like put like a little window so they could put like those little ice blocks in because my mom loved that shit at the time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we had the kids' tables in the dining room and then the adult table was in the kitchen. 
And it was just a shit, like having that space of having the whole family together. But because we're all so spread out, um, Christmas wasn't, that didn't happen as often. But what we would do is go to my mom's brother's house instead. So how it would usually work, I was always the early riser, like six, seven in the morning, I'm up. Which <laughs> mm-hmm. is the shit as a kid who liked playing video games because I was like, this is great. Everybody gets up around nine. If I get up at six, that's three hours <laughs> of just me <laughs> and Final Fantasy seven for as long as I want. That's great. How old were you? Uh, this is probably second or third grade. Oh my God, I'm older than you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when Final Fantasy seven came out. Yeah, we, it came out and my dad bought it because he thought my mom would like it because it had a dragon on it. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't care less about it, right? It's just not, not interested in video games like that. But I remember, I remember being in the house and like we had Jet Moto and I was playing it and it was fun. My sister loved it. I was like, I don't really give a fuck about racing. This is fun, but like it's, it's got its limit for me. Yeah, right. And we had WCW versus the world. My dad loves wrestling. We loved wrestling. So it's fun. Same thing. Got its limit. And also I sucked. So I was like, I, it's not fun getting your ass whooped in video games <laughs> when you're in second grade all the time. Like mm-hmm. I was a kid that would cry and just but my dad would be like, you can't play for a month. I'm like, why? I don't got to play for a month. You make me cry. What the fuck? <laughs> you don't play for a month and I'll practice. Stop I being, need the time. Stop being a baby. So uh, when Final Fantasy VII came around, I picked that up. I was like, fucking obsessed. Um, but so in Christmas will come and same thing, especially cause you know, it's Christmas. So you're real excited. Wake up wild early. And it's just like in the room pacing, talking to wake my sister up. Like if we both get up, then they got to get up and then we can get our gifts. And so how it would play out is we'd get up. My parents just eventually got onto the idea that like, they're going to wake up early. So let's get up. We go downstairs. My parents would like fuck around and drag it out just to like make you suffer mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get to the gifts. We start the gifts. I used to love being able to like, give a gift to somebody mm-hmm. and, you know you're a kid so there's only so much you can do I cut some grass make 20 bucks i'm like man i buy like one gift for mom or dad and it was, but it was like also like a who. big satisfying thing to be able yeah. to do yeah yeah um yeah and then like doing the get the quick gift exchange used to be a blast and then well one of the things we would always do is everyone always got somebody a movie like you mm-hmm. just knew for a fact when you saw a little thin rectangle like ah dvd mm-hmm. or prior to that when we it was vhs's you get like you see that thick rectangle and you're like we got a movie nice. <laughs> it rattles when you yeah. shake it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and so it became really exciting every christmas it was sort of like the because you never knew like what, what what your gift was going to be per se and like once you had the video game console then it was like maybe i'll get a game or something but the excitement was really what movies is everyone going to get mm. because we would open it up. Everybody saw what movies they each had be fucking pumped. Mm-hmm. And then it was going to be something that our parents loved that we hadn't seen or something that we had all seen and we loved. So now it's a part of the family collection. And then once the gifts were done, we had our little breakfast, then we would immediately go, okay, what are we watching? Mm-hmm. And then we'd just go through and pick and decide as a family, like what, what the like, the list of movies is going to be because at a certain point we got to go to uncle Mike's house. Mm-hmm. And so we throw a movie on him or one year it was uh escape from New York. <laughs> I had gotten my dad escape from New York and escape from LA. Cause I'd found both of them at the same time. I was so fucking proud of it. I was like, Oh, and so we ended up watching. Was that the first time your dad saw it? No, he had seen it, but he actually showed him to me before. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and I think he, I think he had like VHS recorded one. And then when Escape from L.A. came out, we had pay-per-viewed it and watched it when it released on TV. And so when I found the DVDs, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like, mm-hmm. now you have, like, good copies of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I think at the same time we'd bought in those, I think maybe, like, the whatever Austin Powers movie with Beyonce had come out. Mm-hmm. And I think my sister had gotten that movie. So we did, like, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., 
And then, or I think it might have been Austin Powers first and then the other two back to back. Cause it was like, let's get this out of the way. And then, cause I know you, mom and sister are going to go like fuck off to do other stuff. And dad and I can just sit here and get this Kurt Russell. <laughs> uh, and it was so cool. And like, that's how it would always be. Like get the movies, get excited, throw the movies on, watch them. And we go to my uncle's house and we have our gifts for them. They had gifts for us. We do another gift exchange and same thing. They had their movies that they had gotten for each other. And so we got over there, do all that. Parents make their little eggnog and rum. They go, all right, so what are you watching? Yeah. And then we would go through whatever movies they had that they were pumped about, and then we would watch those. Isn't it crazy how that's a bit different, right? So, like, yeah. when you have access to any movie at any time right now, it really isn't the same sort of scenario. Yeah. But when you physically are like, I'm going to make it, because I missed that, because I was trying to buy gifts for my mom, and mm -hmm. we, <laughs> my dad will be laughing when he listens to this. Like, Gina and I were, like, looking for stuff, and my mom pretty much has whatever the fuck she wants right now. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's, she's a little cranky right now. Shout out to my mom, but she's a little cranky right now. <laughs> and so the we were going through the process of like, what are we going to buy her this year? Yeah. And I'm just like, most of my time, I'm t yeah, Gina knows what I'm talking about. Most of the time, uh, when I buy gifts, I usually see something that I like for somebody, and that's my gift yeah, that yeah. I do. When I don't do it that way, I just kind of feel like, yeah, I'm fucking phoning it in, and I'm just sort of yeah. doing something. So with her, we were like, all right, well, she needs to relax a bit right now, so let's buy her a relaxation kit. And so we mm. sent her over a variety of different things. And Gina found this stuff on Amazon because she's on the East Coast. So it's right. cheaper just to have Amazon ship it than it is for me to pay to fucking ship something different. Mm -hmm. And so we found her uh, like a pair of pajamas, like a double pair of pajamas, which, you know, hit or miss. She's probably not going to like those. Dad's laughing right now. Yeah. She's probably not going to like those. <laughs> we got her a, uh, I forget what they call the doll. It's like a like a hate doll or an angry doll? Yeah. So, what is it called? A damn it doll. A damn it doll. doll. <laughs> yeah, it's called a damn it doll. So that's. I hope you're releasing this after Christmas. Yeah, no, it's coming out today. <laughs> She's gonna be like, Michael, I know all the gifts now. Thank you. <laughs> She's not listening to the show. She doesn't listen to the show. Uh, and uh, so we got her uh, a fucking damn it doll, so that way that's she great. could hit the counter. It actually says on it like, when you're feeling like shitty, like you smash something with this doll. Nice. Got her a damn it doll, and then she's been having headaches lately. So mm. Gina found her like this headache, like headpiece that nice. she has to put on and so my mom's been getting all these packages from amazon and i'm calling her going you're probably going to be getting some packages but she's also ordering packages for gifts and so oh so, so she doesn't know so i called her yesterday and she goes did you get me this fucking head thing this head massage thing it's just a magneto helmet and i go yeah, and I start laughing because I could hear in her voice yeah. that she's just irritated. <laughs> she goes, I would never wear this fucking thing. <laughs> and I, I started laughing on the phone. I was just like, yeah, no, we got you that. And she's like, it's so heavy. and It's got all this stuff. I, would, I, go, I, I was half looking at it. I wasn't yeah. even thinking about it. And the reason why I went on this tirade is that I missed the fact that there was a period of time where I could get her a DVD or or Blu-ray because yeah. my, the big connection that her and I had specifically is that we were movie people. I mean, mm -hmm. I watched that Lethal Weapon with a 21-year-old with her tits out jumping off of a building with my mom. That yeah. was like what we did. So now I can't buy that kind of shit because it's everywhere. So mm -hmm. the movies were such an important part of our childhood growing up in the holidays specifically, yeah. whether it's yeah. like 
Charlie Brown's Christmas. Oh God, yeah, fucking huge. Oh, even uh, when that that all the Vince Guaraldi soundtrack comes on, it's just uh, we, when we drove over to for Travis's birthday, we were in the car and I was like, Becca, let's throw some Christmas music on. Like, you know, I'm, I want to. I'm ready. To, like, let's get into the holiday spirit. Yeah. And we we're just going through listening to a bunch of different stuff, and I'm just like having all these flashbacks of just different memories in the farmhouse growing up, and oh, Nat dude. King Cole. My mom's reaction as soon as Nat King Cole comes on, or whenever we would decorate the Christmas tree, my dad would always he had the cd for uh charlie brown christmas and if we were decorating the christmas tree he'd go, oh, hold on and he'd go to the big stereo and turn it up all the way and he would put charlie brown christmas music on and we would just let the whole thing play yeah no uh, i dude i like yeah right here oh man by the way i don't have the rest to play this song so we're not doing ads for this episode. Right? It's so good, man. I agree. It's so good. I found on uh, on uh, Disney Plus, and I hate advertising for them, but I found on Disney Plus uh, they have uh, a bunch of like Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. They have this weird sort of like sizzle reel doc on Walt Disney that's up there that's being put out by the Disney family. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? Trust or whatever. Yeah. And it's him sort of uh, doing his um, welcome to Disneyland at Christmas yeah. time. And like all that stuff was kind of great fun. And then they would intercut with all those old cartoons from like the, what was it? The fifties or the sixties mm-hmm. that were Disney cartoons. And I, it just occurred to me how much of that shit I had, I knew about and I had seen and, was this deep hole that I fell into of nostalgia. There were the ones, um, all the like the stop motion ones, man. Mm-hmm. Year without a Santa Claus. Oh, fucking heat miser, freeze miser. Mm-hmm. I love those shits, man. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Rudolph was good, just because. And, and honestly, I, I honestly never gave a shit about the Rudolph story. No, but Burl Ives Snowman is so, so fucking cool. So His good. little vest and mustache. He's got that cool little walking shit. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you remember who I was Yeah, it's is. so good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I feel like that was like one of the first actors' names I knew because I loved that snowman so much. My dad was like, oh, it's Burl Lives. It's Burl Lives. It's Burl Lives. <laughs> He's so good, man. Yeah. And he got this cool voice narrating the story. I was like, I want this guy to follow me everywhere when it snows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to... When you guys hear me sort of duck away, I'm looking for a clip here. Here he is. Let's see. Let's Silver see and gold. <laughs> Silver and gold. Well, what do you think of our friend Cornelius? Seems all he thinks about is silver and gold. Silver and gold. Silver and gold. And it feels like Everyone he's on a Johnny Carson show. Yeah, for sure. He's got like that whole like, goatee thing going. Yeah. How do you measure its worth? Just by the pleasure it gives. But what the fuck was this song of? Like he's talking about currency? Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. This was one song where every time this came on, I was like, nah, "I'm gonna go grab so some juice." I think it's in the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. That's the shit. Hold on, we'll swap it out. Don't play an ad. There we go. You know Dasher and Dancer and Honor and Blitzer. I'm fast forwarding, guys. You would even say it glows. They're alive. Yeah. All of the other reindeer. Fantastic. Isn't he the same guy that sings um, Ugly Bug Ball? What? 
Come on, let's crawl. Gotta crawl. Gotta crawl to the ugly duck ball. To the ball. To the ball. You don't know the song? <laughs> no, what, what? How do you know ugly duck ball? What is? Oh ugly? man. What is ugly? All right, this is just us looking on YouTube right now. now I'm just curving in completely. Uh, ugly. What is it? Bug ugly bug ball. What is ugly bug ball? How do I not that one? Yeah. What the fuck? I don't know if it's Bear Lives or not. This is completely unrelated to Christmas, but. Or in plain English, an ugly bug. Once a lonely caterpillar sat and cried. Okay. Okay. You don't remember the Disney sing along VHS tapes? We never had them. Oh, we had all those fucking things, man. But I just have to comment here. He has the goatee and everything. Yeah. That's why they built the snowman to look exactly like him. Except I think they skipped the Bob Teeth music dipping. Fucking Hollywood was so goddamn weird back then, man. Here's Hollywood another was song, so weird um, back then. Uh, most wonderful time of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what the song's called, right? Yeah, but I know that. I know the song. That song cracks me up because the other day, other night, we were driving, listening to it, and I had noticed something about the song I had never realized before. Where the first time he says it's the most wonderful time of the year, <laughs> I was listening to it. I was like, it feels like he's responding to someone who just said. Halloween is the best time of the year. And he goes, it's the most wonderful time. It's like he's like, no, 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 the fuck it's not. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. And I was telling this to Becca, and I was like, I restart the song and listen to it. And she starts laughing. I was like, you can't not hear it now, right? It yeah. feels like he's like you're in the middle of some Christmas Broadway show where the debate is about the best holiday season. Yeah, and and it's like, the beginning of the play. And somebody dressed like Jack Skellington is touting off about Halloween. And this guy's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Christmas is the best. And let me tell you why. And the music starts saying, it's the most wonderful time. And they go into this whole bit. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't be convinced now. That's the one. Uh, all, dude, nostalgia, man. All these yeah. things were like a big part of it. And I think that... Um, at least for me now, I don't. I can't speak for anybody else or another generation. But mm. I, for me now, I have to work real hard to fucking dig that stuff up. Like yeah. I have to actually care. And I think the big reason for me to care is this urgency to feel nostalgic during the holiday season and the yeah. urgency to feel a little bit of that because <clears throat> I think right when you're a kid, it's incredibly special, yeah. right? If you're fortunate, it's. A, I was incredibly fortunate. You were very fortunate mm-hmm. to have these situations um it's incredibly special your parents go out of their way to make it special oh yeah and it takes a lot of fucking work Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of fucking work to put on a meal let alone like a christmas thing for your kids and all that stuff and so there is this sense of magic and wonderment and and the stuff that i learned as a kid is that you can change the atmosphere of a room by turning off lights and putting on sparkly lights Mm -hmm. and like really hyper sitting around and paying attention to like what the fire feels like or what the fire looks like or sitting there and having a drink and and just enjoying the music Mm -hmm. and enjoying conversation. I think the big pull away for me from Christmas and the holidays in general, like that whole holiday break was the best. I mean, Mm -hmm. it almost outweighs uh, our uh, summer vacation. I think it does outweigh summer vacation. Yeah, for sure. Because you have this ability to connect with adults, you have this ability to connect with your relatives mm-hmm. when you're a kid. Like your grandparents come around, you get to yeah. meet people. If you're lucky, you get to meet people. And it's limited. 
Mm-hmm. Like, because even during the like the the Christmas break is what you maybe get two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in that time, it's just like you know, it's especially being on the East Coast, you know, it's gonna snow. Yeah, so you're gonna get that. So yeah. everything, everything around you, cha- how it looks changes, and yeah. sometimes it's drastically. Like all of a sudden, it just snows out of fucking nowhere, and it's just like a whole white landscape mm-hmm. that is completely. Everyone different. shows up differently. Everyone oh. is also, especially being on the East Coast, you're cold as fuck getting out of the car and charging through the snow to get into the house. Oh. So everyone that comes through the door is so fucking happy to be there because you open the door, you smell food, it's warm. The people you see are happy to see you, so they're like, "Hey, you're happy to see them. You're also happy to get out of the fucking." Cold. Yeah. So everything about walking into this room is the best thing ever. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And and as we're talking about this, hold on a second. Um, hold on, let me see if I can fucking find this thing. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's do this. Oh, because we're on the we're on the west coast now. We don't get this. We don't get this. I used to love, love it when it started to snow hard. Mm-hmm. And it was my job to shovel the driveways. It was my job to do that stuff. Yep. I would go out. Mm-hmm. Because we lived on a pretty busy street that had a consistent stream of traffic all the time. This is what it sounded like when you open that door and you wrap yourself in a scarf. Because you know you're going to be out there for a while. Mm-hmm. You get the layers on. You get the coat on. You get the hat on. You got those gloves that you can still grip a shovel with. Yeah. And you wrap yourself with a scarf. You open the door. And inside the house, my sisters are fucking bickering. There's all sorts of shit going on. Mm-hmm. And I'd close the door behind me. And this is what I would hear. That first placement of the shovel, like you just place it, mm-hmm. and then you just and you scrape it. Yep. I Did you have it. the the big rectangular shovel? Yeah. 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 I used to love those, man. I, I think one point ours had gotten old and just broken, and we didn't like. It was one of those situations where, like we can't go out and go get one, so we got to use the like digging shovel. Fuck, that was a terrible year for oh. shoveling. Jesus. I I love the metal ones before they were plastic, and I used, yeah. I used to yeah. use the metal ones all the time, and I just. It was so, I think I was too young to realize it, but it was definitely a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, you're just sort of doing that pattern, right? You start shoveling enough fucking driveways, you start mm-hmm. to understand, like, where snow needs to go. That's yeah. a big part. Like, where am I going to place the snow mm-hmm. so that I can, because we're, it's going to snow for two more days, so yeah. how am I placing it so that I, I'm not going to fuck myself? Um, and it's a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And then you're out there just sort of making your way through this puzzle. My neighbors always had snowblowers. We never had a snowblower. No. Uh, maybe we had an electric one that sucked, but we never yeah, really we, had one. The only, uh, the only time I ever used a snowblower was living in Connecticut, and my uh, my mentor, Freddie, he had, uh, his house had a snowblower, and we used it. But he had, he had a shorter driveway, uh, so we would use it. But then we started to shovel, like, the back patio. Yeah. But growing up in Delaware, we had this driveway that went up and wrapped around the house and reconnected to go back out. So to shovel that whole fucking thing around. Oh, man, I miss it. I miss it. Even, I mean, like, the first, the first year I was here... Um, Thanksgiving 2019, living in Acton, about 4,000 feet elevated. So it snowed. And they, we'd gotten probably a good five, six inches of snow. Wow. Um, so my roommates woke me up there super pumped. And so I immediately just like grabbed everything I had and layered up as best I could and went out for a walk. And I remember taking my headphones with me and playing music. And 
I got maybe to the end of the street in the neighborhood. You could go up the out of the neighborhood, and there was a huge like hiking trail that went around. And I didn't before I even got off of the out of the neighborhood. I took the headphones out. Yeah. So I was like, no, nah, I, I missed that. That was my favorite thing in the in the winter when we got the heavy snow. Yeah. Was the first snowfall going for a walk because everyone is inside. Yeah. Getting warm. No one's shoveling yet because it's not done snowing. And just going for that walk where the snow is, is still going, but it's quiet outside. You can't hear anybody else. This is a little intense, the snowstorm, but I still like it. Yeah. There's like a gentler version of this somewhere here. Hold on a second. I don't know. I felt like when I was a kid and I would go for that walk in the snow during the snowstorm, it just felt like you were the adventurer out in the wild by yourself. Yeah, I loved it. And how will I survive? Well, if I get cold enough, I'll go back to the house and have hot cocoa. But for a second here, you know? This is better. Oh, yeah. And then you would hear like the, yep, the, crun the good crunchy snow. Those of you who are listening, and there's a lot of you who are listening that are on the East Coast that are like, fuck you, it's slushy, it gets dirty, it gets gross. Dude, you're very fortunate to have it. Because mm -hmm. it is one of the few events that happen that take over the entire population change the atmosphere change the landscape change the mood change the tone of your entire space yeah. and then it will eventually melt and dry up and you can go back to having it the way it was mm. we should uh we should take a trip up to big bear i yeah, heard they get good snow up there yeah that would be nice i miss it man Fuck. yeah and I don't need I don't need a whole bunch of snow, right? Like, give me snow from Christmas through to New Year's. Like, just give me snow all of December. Ooh. Well, it's nice to be able to cherry pick it. With, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What parts when of you snow you want? And you're like, yeah, yeah. So we got some nice snow in December, and then in February it's a nor'easter, and everyone's back's gonna hurt. Yeah, yeah. And then like fucking March, you still get the, those snows, yep. those like frozen little spots at the end of your driveway, which yeah. suck. No, but I mean, oh man, fuck. I mean, I think that. Well, what we've had here in Los Angeles for like the past four days is it's just been raining. So it's yeah, been pouring. That's been nice. And it's been nice. It's it's felt like the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and it's felt like that. And I do, I, I as I got older, I realized what a sort of nostalgic nerd I am for this time of year mm -hmm. and how much I like this time of year. And it really, it all starts Thanksgiving and that's why I do Thanksgiving dinners and that's why I do Christmas dinners. And then mm -hmm. we're doing uh, our tradition this year. Well, Gene and I have this new tradition here on the, on the West coast, which is now our favorite tradition um, is that we do um, Christmas Eve Eve. Are you coming out with us? Christmas Eve Eve? Yes. Yeah. So Christmas yeah, yeah. Eve Eve, we do a bar crawl, which is smart too. Cause on Sunday, I feel like a lot of shit will probably be closed. Yeah. 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 So Christmas Eve, well, yeah, and it's we made the mistake one year of doing Christmas Eve bar crawl, and many places are closed anyways because yeah. it's Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve Eve, a bunch of the rejects that are still yeah. st stuck here on the West Coast, we go out, hit a bunch of the bars that would normally be super fucking busy. Mm -hmm. It's actually a great time because then a lot of the people and the staff are getting ready for the holidays anyway, so they're kind of like letting their guard down. I, I remember one year I went into a spot. Um, ah, where was it? Was it in Atwater Village? We went into a spot and... 
the doorman was in there playing video games. They had hooked up a video game console, and he was playing Mortal Kombat in the video game uh. console. And I just went over to him and I go, can I play with you? And he goes, yeah, let's play. <laughs> so fuck yeah. Just, and that was like in the bar on Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we do that. Um, then uh, Christmas Eve, Gina and I are going to go out because we'll probably be hungover from Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to go out and have Chinese food together on yeah. Christmas Eve, which will be nice. And then Christmas Day, you're going to be here. Yep. Uh, George, George is coming. coming yep. George yeah. is coming. And then... Um, who else is coming? For, who's coming on Christmas? It's Brett. It's April. April, you guys, and us. So I think it's six, six right of on. us. Yeah, right on. Um, I'm excited. I like. A, there's a piece of me that likes to put on these big meals. Like Brett was like, uh, "Hey, can I help you cook?" And and I was just like, "No," <laughs> because because I get to sort of build the same sort of atmosphere that my dad right. would have built right. back at home. So it feels like that holiday and i know my dad's listening to this and probably feeling nostalgic and mm -hmm. i i do miss this is to my dad i do miss holidays with you i think mm -hmm. that uh i feel bad that i'm not there for the holidays because yeah. i was really sort of a champion for the food and all that kind of shit yeah and uh you know my sisters and my mom could get kind of fucking cranky about like mm, do we need to eat all fuck off that's part of, that's, <laughs> that's the whole purpose yeah. that's the purpose yeah. is that pageantry and that fun and I felt bad when uh, we moved across country. What is that? Gina. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> what is going on back here? Gina. This is a John Williams interlude. Gina has been lost. Now that you've po po made yourself known. How long have you been playing the new Harry Potter game? Enough to beat it, she says. <laughs> and now you're onto the side quest. Yeah. Harry Potter is what? Your Christmas movies, right? Uh -huh. mm. Well, they, do they take place during Christmas? Like one of them does, right? Ah, uh, very smart. Yeah. Is it number four? Number four, if number four has like a big Christmas one or is that? Yeah. Cause the Yule ball, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Gina has been, uh, I love that one. She's been deep one. in the Harry Potter video game. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. So Gina's, Gina's Christmas go-tos are, are Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. What's your Christmas go-tos? For movies? Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can cue up one in particular that I know you also share sentiment with. <laughs> hey! If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I'd like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah! <laughs> Holy, Holy shit! shit. Where's the title? Off? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, for those of you who don't know what that is, oh, obviously man. that's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Cherry Chase. My one of my favorite parts in that movie, and this this is another thing, really cool thing about going to um, my uncle's to watch movies. My uncle Mike, he's got one of the most contagious laughs, and him and my dad just got along so well. I mean, talk about like being a kid watching 
dynamics in a relationship to go outside of the relationship, right? And seeing like my dad and my mom's brother get along like best friends. Yeah. And we would watch movies and something funny would happen that would just ruin my Uncle Mike and his laugh would get everybody else going and he was big on rewind it, rewind it, rewind it, rewind it. <laughs> and he would drill it so badly that like you you would be on the floor hurting yes. because of listening yes. to them laugh. Yes. And in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, it's when the dog hacks up the bone under the table. <laughs> Oh, that's just flat. He's just yakking on the bone. <laughs> it's the most gross sound. <laughs> but it used to kill my uncle Mike, and we he would just run it back over and over. Oh man! Hold on, let's listen to some. Let's listen to key points. I'm completely embracing the fact that we have no right to play any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this is a great moment. Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> You've got a lot of nerve talking to me like that, Griswold. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit, neighbor. I don't know, Margo. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> kiss my Can ass. Kiss something? his ass. I was just smelling, smiling. I was just blouse browsing. <laughs> for your wife or your girlfriend? What? What happened? <laughs> Oof. I guess it wouldn't be any. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't be the Christmas shopping season if the stores were any less hooter than they are, harder than they are. <laughs> Whew, it is warm in here. Well, you have your coat on. Yes. Oh, do I? How did that happen? Because it's cold out. Yes. Yes. It is. It's a bit nipply out. I mean nippy out. <laughs> what did I say? Nipple. <laughs> uh, there is a nip in the air, though. Can I take something out for you? <laughs> so trashy. So trashy. It's so juvenile. Yeah. I also uh, love that just, uh, in an odd way, Ryan Reynolds has allowed us to still have some form of Chevy Chase in movies. That's, that's very true. He's yeah. very Chevy Chase. Isn't I remember he? listening to an interview with him where he was talking about um National Lampoon's Van Wilder, and he was like, I'm literally just doing my best Chevy Chase impression, and that sort of guided the career from there. Yeah. And you watch old Chevy Chase and you go. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, the, in a weird way, bear with me, because this all comes back around to what we were originally talking about. And when I was talking about sort of having my mind open when I watched that doc on Don Simpson and mm -hmm. Brockheimer, right? So yeah. here's uh, movies from our childhood, from when we're kids. We don't know shit about how movies are marketed. We don't right. know shit about any of that stuff, right? right? These movies shape us. And then you go back and you examine it now that we work in the business and you go, oh, the only reason why there were the songs in it because they were putting them on MTV. The only reason why mm -hmm. this is going on is because it was like this. And the same thing with comedies. Saturday Night Live was such a cultural event. Mm -hmm. And that sort oh, of comedy yeah. thing was so cultural that it, it spawned such great, um, you know, big hit movies, mm -hmm. you know? And you're talking about like Blues Brothers, you're talking about Animal House, you're talking about... Uh, uh, Caddyshack, 
um, any of John Candy stuff, oh, summer yeah. rental, Plains all the way Plains, like like all these comedians that became the voice of it. And then you start talking about John Hughes and like what a voice that he had for comedy and what a voice yeah. he had for holidays, like the, the God, holiday yeah. shit that he wrote. And you, you get into Home Alone and everything else around that. All that John Hughes stuff was so great also because it just felt like regular people. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the thing with a lot of those movies at that time, especially the holiday ones, it felt so accessible. Yes. Even if it was, you know, Home Alone and they've got a fucking insane house that you maybe don't have. Right. But here's this kid who the sentiment that he has, you get that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so then, so then as you're looking at this stuff, you, you come to realize these things, this is the cynical me. You come to realize that these things that define us from these time mm -hmm. periods were essentially really interesting uses of marketing and um, mm -hmm. and ideas based upon the time period that we're in, right? Like, would we have like hanging with the boys? Would we have like the Kenny mm -hmm. Loggins stuff yeah. if MTV wasn't such a fucking pull and right. such a draw? Would right. that have been a big part of what American cinema mm -hmm. became in the eighties? Would we have that? Right. I don't know. Like, would we have Christmas Vacation if it wasn't for the success mm -hmm. of Saturday Night Live? Right. And all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's fascinating because when, when we look at these things, I try to think of them in the purest way possible, where it's just like John Hughes wrote Home Alone because he grew up in Chicago and he had a, this whole thing. But like, mm -hmm. was that movie crafted specifically because of the shit that was going on with studios yeah. at that time? And, and, and then to further this thing, what is the definition of the past five or 10 years going to be? It's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of like woke negativity, mm -hmm. uh, that like using um, uh, everybody's fear against them on yeah. social media mm -hmm. and how social media has shaped a lot of political the content. Shadow stuff. Like, even look at that new movie, um, Leave the World Behind. And, uh, we were recently examining. That's the new one. That's on. Uh, I think I just watched it. That's Netflix. The, the post-apocalyptic one yeah. with uh, yeah. uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, her, Mahersha Ali, Ethan Hawke. Interesting, Very interesting movie. Um, but recently, Beck and I were talking, sort of examining how, through different generations, whatever the political landscape is, influences the villain of the movie. It's, uh, yes. We were honing in on um, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. And at the time, you know, you've got the Red Scare because of the uh, the World War, right. and how, right. you know, his neighbor Lars Thorwald's very German esque name. Right. He's a big guy, got sort of the like Karl Marx hair. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that, and well, the Red Scare of like who's a communist and could, could they be right next door, and how Hitchcock sort of takes advantage of that feeling the audience already has in their daily life and exploits it in a movie to really drive his his suspense home. Yeah, and then going okay, yeah, like you're saying. Now look at and leave the world behind. We all sort of doubt and judge and question our government, and then here's a movie where the government leaves you behind. Well, you know? yeah, it, it, it was an interesting. What do you think of that movie in general? I really enjoyed it. I thought the, the ending pissed me off initially because I don't like Friends. So as soon as the song came on, I was like, "Oh fuck off!" That's how we're ending this. <clears throat> and then I had to sort of step back and go, "Okay, outside of how I just don't like this show and I hate that theme song." 
again, to go back to that, that really good Kate Blanchett quote where she goes, it's not about, do I like this? Do I not like this? What is the filmmaker trying to say? Mm-hmm. And do I understand that thing? Mm-hmm. And so I go, okay, let me think about what is this guy trying to say? And I started looking at the ending scene again and here's the girl with all the junk food and the, the, and the TV program at the end. And I go, oh, this is just how, who we are now. This is, is, I wonder if this is commentary on who we are. Here's this devastating thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. But as long as we have all of our junk food, all of our bullshit, and mm-hmm. our, our TV show, we're good. And as long as we get closure on that thing, that's all that matters. And we're so easily distracted by that thing that we could say, I fully, I'm fully aware of all this stuff. And arguably, that character is the first to be aware of something being wrong, and no one listens to her. And but as long as she gets her thing, her little creature comforts, uh, well, fuck it. I mean, what am I supposed to do about it? Eh? It's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I liked it generally. I don't like the way he writes women. I thought all his women characters were like. Oh uh, yeah, and Julia Roberts' character is very. I feel like it's very wishy-washy with her motivations. Like she's very concerned about who's going to be around my kids, but then her kids fuck off into the woods for a few hours, and she doesn't even seem to notice. Right, it. and then they take a moment, and the two, her and the other girl, are just in the shit. It's like, aren't you looking for your daughter? And the whole, like they get out in front of the the reindeer or the deer and they're just oh, screaming, screaming and that whole thing is just dragged too long. I was like, I feel like there could have been a way better scenario to show that these women are intelligent and capable of overcoming the situation other than just coming outside and screaming at them and then letting us know that that's not doing shit anyway, but here they are. Yeah. But also like the, the, I felt like he wrote, I don't think he shared the I'm being an asshole with enough of the characters. I thought it, like every I'm being an asshole was coming out of some lady's mouth in that in that movie. Yeah. So it yeah. was just like I'm being an asshole because of this and I'm being kind of, and, and most of the guys in that movie were just sort of like dealing with the fact that yeah. the women were pushing them around. Yeah, it's like the daughter has an attitude, the wife's got an attitude. The daughter and the wife get pissed and, and they storm away and the guys sort of like Women, right okay i mean like sure but like at, when it's every it starts to be every interaction like okay come on give, give me a little something more than this give me like, sure. give me some nuance in here sure and then there was a couple of clever moments in it that i liked there's stuff that i dug and it, it felt like he was like headed towards hitchcock through Shyamalan, and mm-hmm. you know he delivered more than a lot of the Shyamalan movies delivered which yeah. i thought was interesting yeah. Um, oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, because yeah, it, it was it was very Hitchcockian, but through Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah, you know for sure. And so, for sure, I generally liked it. I generally liked it. You know, I love that scene with him, uh, with Mahershala, Ethan Hawke, and Kevin Bacon. Yes, in the front yard. That was a great scene. Yes, and the tension is so good. Yes, that the only thing that took me out of it was the the constant cutting back to the screaming. Where I thought, if you would have just wrote this scene with these women better, you could have drilled this. Suspense up even more because then we're cut. We're cutting to something that does actually feel like there's stakes involved. Because as soon as I realized, oh, the reindeer aren't going anywhere when they scream, but they're also not getting aggressive. So why are we going back to this? I don't care about this. Yeah, he was doing this whole routine uh, in that movie where he would just drive the stakes up with the score, and it really wasn't what was happening on screen. So like he, you just have this like like these heavy strings, and Mm -hmm. then put you on edge, and then you go. But there's nothing actually right. Happening. Right. I remember Tom Beckett, I was like, the score is doing a lot for the suspense in this movie. 100%. 100%. Some cool shots as well. Like that shot in the beginning where they move through the windshield, the window into the car, back around mm-hmm. into the back seat, and they come back out and land up here. Mm-hmm. And the whole ship Very coming cool. ashore was cool. 
the reveal like i'm a sucker for post-apocalyptic nice. anyways so, so oh, the, yeah. the reveal of what was happening to the city and then the not to give too much away but the electric car bit that they did in it oh that part is great yeah there's a lot of really interesting bandicoot like, scene yeah there's a lot of really fun stuff that they do in it that i yeah. thought was great so generally i'd give that movie about a b i think it's yeah, a good b for movie. sure for sure um, oh, speaking of movies that we saw and speaking of Netflix. Ooh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. Depart from Christmas for just a second. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. This is, like, this is Christmas, right? They're releasing yeah. big movies on Christmas time. True, true. You know? It feels like Zack Snyder's gift to us. I have, I have one thing to say right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder had already gone online and said, mm-hmm. made the comment of like, you know, if it was, it, my director's cut is a, is a different movie. And when I first read it, I went, don't fucking start, bro. Don't don't fucking take us down this fucking rabbit hole again, man. <sighs> but then at the same time, as soon as I felt that uh, like annoyed by that thing, I had to check myself and go, I'm not annoyed at Zack Snyder. What I'm annoyed at is the fact that like, why the fuck is this happening again to this guy? And I get that that's just part of the game. That's just part of the studio system to some degree. Like, is there money? Is there a thing? Okay. But at, at some point I go, but don't you see how good his shit is when you just let it be his shit? Well, so do you think do you think that they're forcing him to do this? I don't that's this this is my question where I go, is it just are you just being a crybaby? No, no. Or is it notes? Because when I watched the movie, the points that were I was bumping into were the points that I noticed are same things I bumped into with the studio cuts of his other movies. Then when I watch his version of it, I don't bump into those things. Okay, so I did some research on this and I know some people. So, um, well, listen to Mike Pesci. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know some people that worked on it. Mm. Um, but, um, from what I understand, it, that uh, he has two versions of this movie he has the PG 13 mo- version of this movie and he has a rated R version of this movie. And from what I understand, it's, it's a smart move for streamers to do both. Mm. And I think that I, 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 there was a comment that I read from him where he goes, uh, these things cost so much money to make that it's irresponsible for me just to do the version that is only going to be seen by a certain group of people, mm-hmm. which is his rated R version. And so mm-hmm. I think what they're doing is a PG-13 version, which is the ride or release for everybody that wants to see it, which mm-hmm. PG-13 hits the kids, hits all that stuff. Right. Which I don't understand how that plays on Netflix anyways, unless the parents have the, the parental control on there, because the kids are going to yeah. watch it no matter what, right. since it's on Netflix. I could see that being a theatrical thing, but yeah. I don't understand that. Anyway, um, and so supposedly the uh, rated R version is the flushed out version. And Ooh. the, okay, so as we're listening, you guys at home, if you guys haven't seen Rebel Moon yet, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about Rebel Moon. At this point, you might want to skip ahead till we're done talking about rebel moon because i am going to mention some spoilers for rebel moon mm-hmm. and i don't want that to be your christmas present or holiday gift from me or spoilers so i'm warning you right now you could just skip ahead until we get past this section uh, but if you guys have seen rebel moon like so many of you already have let's get into it so um he's making a movie that is an ensemble piece yeah multiple characters multiple people yeah right big big cast big cast great fucking cast too he spends the time and he sets up our lead well i think what's Mm -hmm. her name she's great yeah um and then he sets up her whole situation that whole town it's totally seven samurai which Mm -hmm. i'm totally pumped about fuck the critics that are like oh this is just people ripping things off from other movies fucking star wars was ripped off from fucking hidden fortress all these mm-hmm. other movies are ripoffs from shit so yeah. shut the fuck up to most yeah. of those those critics out there that just need to have a reason to bitch for clickbait get the fuck right at a certain point you acknowledge that there's 
there's a difference between ripping something off, stealing an homage. Right. And I think so you you guys should be burning fucking Tarantino with the fucking steak. If that's, if, the, case, if that's yeah. the case. But I think with, with Snyder, I'm watching this movie and I'm pumped when I see certain beats and I go, oh, I bet that's I bet that's like a nod to this thing. That's so fucking cool. He likes that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I fucking mm-hmm. love that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like well, the ending bit is very Matrix, Ghost in the Shell. Very much. And you is. go, oh, that's so fucking cool that mm-hmm. they did that. Oh, I like how they I like how they nodded to that thing. And it's also cool when like I'm watching with George and he knows those references as well. And I'm like, oh, this reminds me of the Matrix. He's like, that's Kusanagi from from Ghost in the Shell. I'm like, oh, right, yeah. yeah. Like you, a conversation can happen. Yeah. So, all right. So when you're watching this film, he's trying to set up all these characters, right? And so he does a pretty good job flushing out a lot of them. But as soon as she starts getting into the first fight with all those yeah. dudes and she yeah. goes into that barn with the axe, mm-hmm. you start to see all the shots getting cut away uh-huh. instantly. Mm-hmm. So like she goes in for hits and then the edit's just a little weird. Yep. He's cutting out all those bloody sequences that mm-hmm. he would be putting into the rated R bit. So that's when you start to feel it, yeah. right? Then you start to meet all these other characters. They did a pretty good job setting up the dude, the prince guy. I really don't know his backstory, but the dude that had to tame the fucking eagle. Yeah, yeah. Cat. And this was my issue is where there's certain cuts. It reminded me of when I first time I watched Batman vs Superman in the theater. And I was like... I. I feel like they're just jumping around so fucking much. Like I'm not mm-hmm. like, where's the setup for things? And then I watched the Ultimate Edition, and I went, "Oh, well, it's all here. Mm-hmm. All this like connective story beat stuff is in his version." Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's a little bit there because that 100%. thing happens with him, and then when they introduce the uh, the the swordsmith, it's like we we almost like jump right into her thing. And I go, "Who the fuck is this? What, what when did we when did we even get here? Yeah, we're in space. Then we're on an elevator, and there's a new character. We're just talking to him like." Who the fuck is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I feel like then they cut to what's his name, who's the gladiator, and they cut out oh, all his, yep, all of his development. So his mm-hmm. development's gone. And I think the only reason the swordsman stuff ended up in there is because she's fighting a spider. Yeah, and so she can get bloody with a spider, right. you get bloody with a creature because that still fits into the PG thirteen yep. realm. I guarantee you, he probably has an entire sequence. Mm-hmm. Of a gladiator sort of battle. Oh yeah, with that dude that is incredibly violent, yeah. incredibly bloody, which sort of sets all this stuff up. I- George made a good point with the spider scene where he went, it finished, and he goes, "Do we know enough to give a fuck? No, but is it was it a cool fucking sequence? Yeah, yeah." Yeah. And so, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I would love to know a little, get a little bit more about each of those characters, a little more introduction, which I'm assuming is just just something that gets cut. But I would love to get those story beats so that I can go, okay, this is this person, this is their thing, this is the deal with them, especially for the 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 spider one because like, or actually her and her and the general because he's got his whole arc mm-hmm. with like all this tragedy. And watching us go into that thing and then get that conversation and that fucking and the shot reminds me of that that artwork you guys have where like it's the the person on the rock and this beam mm-hmm. of light coming right mm-hmm. down on them and it's it's and also giant Hatsu. He's amazing. Guy, He's amazing. Like and I just literally had just finished watching Gran Turismo and he plays the dad in that. Oh yeah, he does. And to he? go from watching him in there and he's so emotionally available. He's he's just he's a, just a dad. He just wants to take care of his son, doesn't want to see him get hurt in life and, and wind up, you know, the, the hard loving loser, just looking out for him. Mm-hmm. And it's so raw and beautiful mm-hmm. and, and vulnerable. And then you go into literally from watching that right into watching Rebel Moon. And he's just fucking monster built of a man. 
who's just chugging this fucking this flask and talking a little shit and and he's got a dark past and you just and, and it's still you still can't take your eyes off him yeah he i think he's one of those actors who came out of the gate with amistad and has never had to look back down yes that's very true yeah the give me free yeah 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 so good good yeah he's always amazing every time he shows up he's amazing. he was great in guardians of the galaxy he oh yeah always Ooh. shows up yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. When I was watching the movie, I went into it understanding that stuff, and then mm. I tried to watch it from the viewpoint of a thirteen-year-old boy, mm. right? PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Snyder makes movies for for, for boys. Mm-hmm. He still does. Yeah. Like it's a it's a boy thing, and even though that there is a very strong female character lead in this thing, it's mm-hmm. still the structure of a, of a boys movie. There, mm-hmm. it's like an A plus B equals C. We need to go do this thing. We need mm-hmm. to go pull this thing off. There isn't a whole lot of melodrama yeah. in in his pieces. Yeah. The only melodrama that you may have are people bitching about whether or not he does too many slow mos. You know, yeah. and uh, it's like go oh, fuck yourself. Like I like it. I, I do too, man. Even like, when the movie starts, you get that first shot coming down over the the ringed planet. Yes. And I and I was telling George said, you know what I love about and what makes this so exciting? As soon as the movie starts, you know, oh, I'm about to go back into a Zack Snyder world, mm-hmm. and I know what that's going to mean. That's going to mean these cool fucking slow mos. It's going to mean a great soundtrack. It's going to mean really interesting characters. It's going to mean these characters who should feel like gods, but they're going to have sensitivities that make you go, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just, and even the way he presents the characters, like the shot of her with the flag. Yeah, dude. So fucking great. Or even Jimmy the robot. Oh, that whole sequence also, was Anthony amazing. Hopkins. Yeah, dude. I wonder if they had Anthony Hopkins sit somewhere and they recorded him just performing the lines. And then they go, okay, now let's make that how the robot moves. Because the way the robot's moving is very, feels very much like Anthony Hopkins' mm-hmm. sort of body language. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I said, you know what? I wonder, you know, do, do you sit down and have somebody just program and build out this performance from the robot's physicality? Or do you have Anthony Hopkins sit outside in the sunset and he has that beat where he's talking and he looks off at the sunset and is like, yeah, I think we lost a little bit of ourselves when that happened. Mm-hmm. And you go, ah. That's got to be in the performance, right? Mm-hmm. And it just gives so much humanity to this character that literally doesn't have a face. So good, dude. It's, it's so good. It's incredible. And what a choice to have him voice it. It's, it was so cool. It was fucking fascinating. <sighs> okay, so here, 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 here comes my rant. Come on with it. Okay. This was made for streaming. Uh-huh. Right? It's made for Netflix. I haven't been able to find a theatrical run out here. I'm mm-hmm. sure that there is one, but I haven't been able to find one. They did one... With the, the week that they had the premiere at the Chinese, up the street is the Egyptian, the Netflix Nouns, which I was kicking myself because I don't know why the fuck I convinced myself the Egyptian was probably somewhere like Culver City or some shit, and it's literally two blocks from the house. Um, but they had the premiere, just like they did um, Fi- The Killer and Fincher came, they did a premiere, uh, they had like three, six showings over two days, and the 1045 show on the first day, I think it was the 15th, Snyder was introducing the God movie. damn, you got to call me when those things happen. I saw it and I was like, and I was like, damn. ah, it's probably not nearby. And I was walking by it the other night and I said, damn it. what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this place that looks like it's from Egypt? And my buddy was like, well, it's the Egyptian theater. I said, it's it. right here. God damn it. Ah. So, all right, all right, all right. So, so, so they made this for streaming. So yeah, it's yeah. made for, made for Netflix. Okay. Let's compare this. Mm-hmm. to Ahsoka. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Okay, because Ahsoka is also made for streaming. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's compare this to a few episodes of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, right off the bat, Zack Snyder is making something that is bigger. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger film. It's a Hollywood blockbuster film. Yeah. That's what it feels like. That's what his focus is on. His focus is on storytelling visually. Mm-hmm. His focus is on visual effects. His focus is on sound. His focus is on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have, other than the story that we all know because of trades, mm-hmm. he doesn't have uh, an IP behind him. Mm-hmm. There's no IP behind him. And what he's doing is he's fighting against these other IPs that currently exist. And for those of you who don't know the backstory, this was originally a movie or a series of movies that he was writing for Star Wars, Mm -hmm. and they said no to it. And so when he had the opportunity, he goes, well, fuck them, I'll make it my own thing, and I'll make it my own universe, and I'll do my own thing, So, which is great. And when you watch these movies, they feel like his thing. Even though it has elements of Kurosawa, and it has elements of Star Wars and Mm -hmm. things that we've seen before, aesthetically... This is his yeah. own thing. It doesn't feel aesthetic. And even though he's got glowing swords at one point in time mm-hmm. uh, it, that are in it, they still feel different than, right. than that. Other than they glow red, and when you see them really quickly, you go, well, those are supposed to be lightsabers. And you go, yeah. well, originally it probably were written to be lightsabers, but there's something different. Yeah. So anytime someone bitches out, him doing some beautiful, fucking gorgeous, slow-mo, reactional kind of shot... I just want to go back to some of the later episodes of Ahsoka on the, the recent series with um, Ray Stevenson, who died, right? Is it Ray Stevenson who mm. played the original Punisher? He was the bad guy. He, oh, really? Yeah. He, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, was like he, the, the he was like the Sith for hire, sort of yep. like the guy that was doing shit. There was fucking like two whole episodes. Did you watch the last Ahsoka? No, okay. I didn't watch any of it. Okay. So there are two Donuts, whole. I don't care two whole episodes where they find some sort of like rock that sort of projects this like uh, Prometheus style sort of, um, you know, a three-dimensional map that they're standing in the center of. And there are these sequences. So they go to, how do I describe this? They go to like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, um, what's the, it's like a Stonehenge. So they go to like the Stonehenge thing and they have some sort of piece of tech which is like a ball that, you know, one could say that it's the phantasm ball. And they put it in this thing and it projects out this map that is Mm three-dimensional. It's like a hologram. And they sort of walk through this holographic Mm -hmm. map. And they spend so much fucking time on this one thing in that episode, if not two episodes of them Mm -hmm. just like doing things. And there are these moments where like, you'll have these soap soap opera scene transitions where a character will come in and say something and another character will go like, well, we'll just have to see. And then they'll just turn towards the camera and then they'll walk to the edge of a cliff and then they'll do sort of this low angle, slight push up while like Ray Stevenson just sort of walks and looks off to the side of the cliff. And then you just count like one, 1,000, two, 1,000. And you're just like, this is them making mm-hmm. more time for the streamer. One, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. And that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And when you watch that show, it's just a series of, nerd loaded nerd laden dialogue sequences Mm -hmm. and with characters that have nowhere to go because they're on a volume stage Mm -hmm. and they just sort of walk to the corner and they look yeah all that coverage Mm -hmm. i think is 10 times worse than if Zack snyder's like i'm gonna build this most the, the most epic most gorgeous 
like slow motion shot of this guy leaping, which references every comic book frame that I've ever yeah. loved as a kid, references all that stuff. Yeah, it's like the, all that John Carter Amar shit. It's all that Conan. It's it it's such a it, it takes you back to like those uh, uh, Frank Frazetta. Like is it Frazetta? How do you say? Yeah, it? Frazetta. Yeah, like how his shit looks. Yes, you, like Jim this Lee. guy just leaping and like also. The fucking hits in those fight sequences. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude, dude. So satisfying. So so to, to wrap up my point of my anger here, when when you're uh, a snarky little bastard that's sitting at home and just going, I don't like his fucking slow-mos. I don't like the way his slow-mos. Yeah. You need to reference those with those other bullshit soap opera moments that are mm -hmm. in every fucking streaming show mm -hmm. on, on another fucking channel and go, at least he's filling those moments with art. Yeah. Because yeah. they want those in, on each piece. Why? Because it takes an idea that should only take about an hour and a half to tell, and they stretch it to 12 fucking hours to yeah. tell. Yeah, and even with the slow-mos, he, he just does them so well. They're, so, they're always so packed with emotion. Yeah. Like the shot where it's her flashback, and she comes around the corner with the rifle, and she's screaming, and it's like this like, yes. kind of like angle on her and it's the frame is just enough to get her from like the shoulder to the top of the head and every muzzle flash lights up her face and you just see her screaming charging out of the frame it's so good yeah I mean, like you feel all that emotion I, I give a lot of respect to him because to me i'm like if you're the actor and you're doing that bit dude and that shit can be exhausting after enough takes and this is a guy who's coming out of he's going in the edit and doing his thing with his team. And then you get to go sit down and watch it and go, fuck. That was worth it. That was worth yeah. me doing all that. Yeah, because that looks incredible. You feel it. Even like the the way the echo sounds in the slow-mo, like he picks great moments for it. You know what I mean? When you look at uh Rotten Tomatoes, mm. by the way, flawed. Rotten Tomatoes is fucking flawed. It's been proven to be flawed. I think Rotten Tomatoes is bought. Yeah, it has it's proven to be bought. And so uh, when you look at the difference between the critics and the audience, the audience loves this movie and the critics essentially are shitting on this movie because that's clickbait. Yeah. So any clickbaity fucking thing that you do on Instagram and you just go like Snyder's movie is boring or this is fucking bullshit. They know mm -hmm. that they're going to get Snyder's fans to click on that stuff because they're like, fuck you. And then they're going to go through this process. So mm -hmm. negativity, which I've proven over the past year with all my posts on Instagram, mm -hmm. negativity sells, man. Mm -hmm. And so the the result of people trying to get clicks is a negative review for a film mm -hmm. that, you know, is on some sort of system that we, for fucking some reason, give validity to, which is this Rotten Tomatoes mm -hmm. al algorithmic fucking yeah. rating system. Oh, well, millennials, man, we're the children of the disaster. Yeah. That's what that's that's what this the whole our entire existence has been like one fucking catastrophe to the next or or one impending doom to the next. So now we just go to that shit always. It's true. But anyway, that being said, before we get out of spoiler mode, um, I like the movie a lot, and it, like yeah. there are there are scenes in it that I'm like, man, I can't wait to see the rated R version to see how this plays. Oh yeah. Like uh, I think in general, uh, I'm happy that he makes movies. Mm -hmm. I'm happy that people make a big deal over his movies. Yep. I'm happy that there's an audience that loves his shit mm -hmm. and uh, fuck you to the critics that are snarky about that saying like, well, he only builds this for his audience. Who gives a fuck? But also, ain't that the fucking point? All I really want from movies right now, currently, are movies that are genuine. Yeah. And that are coming from a genuine artist-driven place and that feel like they're coming from storytellers, whether it's the writer, or feel mm -hmm. like they're coming from 
directors and you were mm -hmm. mentioning a bunch of really great movies that are that seem to be coming out on that level uh mm -hmm. you know a24 seems to be at the for forefront yeah. for a lot of that stuff their, their new movie civil war from alex garland i fucking love alex garland's work yeah uh i love looking at things and going oh this would be a great double feature with this and i think when his movie comes out uh especially once like it's to where like i can have the ability to do this i was like a dvd or something but to be able to watch leave the world behind and then watch his mm -hmm. civil war movie mm -hmm. right i was thinking that, about that when i watched because it. i think that's that's such a beautiful narrative to string together where here's what feels like the the setup is and it's stretched out enough that you really can get into it but it ends early enough that if you were to pick up civil war right after that it feels like it could just continue that story mm -hmm. with a different group of people mm -hmm. because they don't get really into what's happening but the setup works for those of you oh, who don't man. know, watch the trailer. Go looking on YouTube right now yeah. for Civil War. It looks pretty great. It has, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what's her name in it? Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, she's her in husband, it. Her husband's in it. Jesse. Uh, He's great. Jesse Plemons. He's great all the yeah. time. He he plays that like sort of we, he plays weird stoicism. He does that shit so well. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's very interesting to look at. Ugly I'm, as hell. I'm curious about it. I, I mean, and this seems to be falling into what I had heard was A24's new mission where they wanted to make bigger movies and they're, tr they're trying to maneuver themselves into making some mm, sort of blockbuster smart. movies. And I'm curious if their blockbusters are going to have that kind of art mm. uh, swing to I hope they do. I hope that they really start pushing so that we get more of the Oppenheimer stuff, but we get it from yeah. a younger yeah. filmmaker base. And, I'm also pumped for Planet of the Apes. I haven't watched anything on that it's, yet. It's supposedly set, what was it? It was either 300 or 500 years after the events of the last movie. What? Mm -hmm. So it's now where the apes pretty much have dominion over the whole world. Uh, and humans are now like animals. Where like They can't speak. Mm -hmm. They don't have, like, they're just sort of like cavemen again. So they're doing the, mm -hmm. you know, the So the now it's getting thing. back around to, right, Charlton right. Heston. Charlton Heston, yeah. Yeah, the, I think in the trailer there's even a shot of like them riding horses on the beach. Uh, I was like, Oof. Now what I hope they don't do is just go right into remaking that. I hope they still go, we're going to nod to it and we're going to set it in like, sort of that time i think it's probably not quite there yet because in in heston's like the apes are wearing clothes and shit right whereas in this one they've got like the whoever the king ape is he's got like a little crown made of like tusks or some shit and like you know little adornments and he speaks full clear english now uh but it doesn't seem like they're quite far enough where it's like massive technological advancement huh. and shit huh. uh, which is cool because i go great we're not all the way caught up to there yet to where it's going to be like, oh, I kind of know this and now it's just your take on it. It's like still something new. I have to watch the trailer for that. I haven't seen oh, that yet. so good, man. And for those of you who are audience people at home and for those of you who are critics that listen to the show, um, I know it's low-hanging fruit to really attack somebody that's coming out of the gate with original IP and uh -huh. sort of t and, and tear it apart. You guys really tore apart fucking uh, the creator which I think is a fantastic uh, movie. Yeah, You guys really tear these things down. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that fucks it, that fucks the runway for us on any sort of original content. Mm -hmm. And if something doesn't land perfectly, it doesn't mean that it's a piece of shit movie. Right. If something lands at a fucking C plus or a B minus, yeah. you should still be celebrating the fact that it isn't some other spinoff of something else that we've already seen. And I know that the big criticism that people had for the creator was like, we've seen all these different movies before. We've seen Blade Runner before. The mm -hmm. more you support original content, the more that that 
uh, us as creators can start to push away from all those references that are needed to get original content yeah. greenlit right now. Yeah. Like if I walk into a production company's office with a mood board that doesn't have anything familiar on that fucking mood board, mm -hmm. they're going to go, this is completely out of left field. Who the fuck's going to give a shit about mm -hmm. this? This is a limited theater release. No one's going to, how do we promote this thing? So when you look at the creator and you go, this feels like Blade Runner, this feels like this other thing, it had to. That was the yeah. only way they could have gotten a greenlit by, yeah. by a place to do that. So if we support original content, even if it's not the best thing that's ever made, instead of being the first one out of the gate to go, I'm going to pull this fucking movie down and get some clickbait on it. Maybe we come out of the gate and go, look, it was a B movie, but thank God it's original content. Mm -hmm. Again, the fucking Kate Blanchett quote is not about, do I like it? Do I dislike it? What is the filmmaker trying to say? There you go. But anyway, let's get out of that hole. Let's get out of that hole. All right, another Christmas question for you. Yes. What's your go-to Christmas beverage? <laughs> now, now you're a big boy. We're not, we're not, uh, you're not hoping to get asked to come up from the basement. I'm not sneaking to play video games at seven in the morning. What's your go-to Christmas beverage? I don't beverage? know, man. I was never an eggnog guy. You're an eggnog oh, guy? Oh, what? They're just gross. Absolutely. It's you kidding? gross. What's gross is what it does to my stomach, but I'm doing that shit every Christmas. I don't care. I don't even know what's in egg. Is it just... Eggs and nog. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's in there, man. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. It tastes amazing. Oh. Oh, it's like sweet milk. It's like, to me, if you went to heaven and there was a cow and they were like somebody, <laughs> there was a big set of wings and there was some guy attached to him just just milking him milking the cow <laughs> but because this cow has wings it's not milk it's eggnog it's eggnog <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's drinking it uh, and it doesn't upset your stomach because it's heaven i've never you know i've had eggnog gina just ordered we went out for drinks the other night and uh where did we go we went to the mermaid bar which is down in uh arch district downtown and oh yeah, yeah yeah we went there after that one shoot yeah yeah, yeah. they get some fun stuff and she ordered a fancy drink and it was super tiny. It was like this like little thimble of eggnog that came out. And I had a sip then and I was like, yeah, I get it. it you got to get good eggnog. That's the problem. It, There's a lot of trash eggnog. You know what it tastes like? Hmm. It tastes like you get, you get like a, you order a fucking milkshake and you leave it on the counter for a while. Nonsense. And it tastes like melted milkshake. Don't listen to this slander. <laughs> Right, don't listen to this propaganda. But that that being said, <laughs> that being said, I don't think I have um, a holiday drink. Like, um, yeah, other than eggnog, what else is there? I don't think so. I love doing eggnog and rum is good. Mm -hmm. um, you got to get that ratio right, though. <laughs> and you got to have good eggnog. <laughs> Borden's is great eggnog. You know, if you're, if you're on the East Coast, go to a Wawa. Well... If you're in the mid-Atlantic on the East Coast, so that's what, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. Sure. Maybe maybe New York, definitely Jersey. Go to a Wawa, get their eggnog. It's like that white carton with like the gold branding on it. So fucking good. <laughs> um, I'll try it again this year. Southern Comforts is not bad. I'll do like a, I'll do like a, yeah. I mean, these days I'm doing a lot of uh, old fashions or, uh, you know, like, the kind of drink that you drink on like an old leather chair. We got to find you a festive drink, man. We got to find you like your, okay, this is why I asked, right? Because like eggnog, you can only get eggnog around Christmas, sure. right? So that means you sure. can only do the eggnog and rum around Christmas. Sure. Not Thanksgiving. 
Sure. On Christmas. Although, unless you're in Provo and they had fucking eggnog at Halloween, but. It's because anyway. they're not drinking. It's yeah. weird. It's weird yeah. over there. It's weird. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, yeah, we got to find you a holiday one. I want to, I want to try some other holiday drinks too. I feel like there's, I bet there's something with like some mint. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, like rosemary or. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be good. You know, like a, some sort of rosemary drink. Yeah. You know, and I, I like rum, I guess would be a good thing for yeah. it. We're doing this thing when we, we're trading uh, tiki cups with everybody, right? Oh, so, I can't wait for you to see tiki cups. Yeah, again. we yeah. both, because we put. It's fucking good. What happened was, is was uh, Gina and April decided that, or it was April that decided that we were going to get tiki cups, and then they did the whole pull the names. And they're not hat. fucking cheap. No, they're not cheap. I looked, I was like, oh, tiki cup. No big deal. No, I looked, and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Glad that residual came in. <laughs> 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 I would have just told you to, to get, just go to a tiki bar and have a drink and then to keep the class. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. That's actually such a thing on the East Coast. You know, you go to certain bars and they have like their cup. Yeah. And if you get like whatever, what is the um, Pig's Eye Pub used to do that? Uh, man, there's a few in Hartford that did it. Where like if you like got a certain drink that was like a big cup, you could yeah. like take it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. So yeah, I'm down. I'm down yeah. to find a, a drink. I mean, I'll try eggnog again, but I just know like eggnog's like you know it's just slimy. And how, how do you do a dairy? Is it good on your stomach? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, dude, I do everything terrible for my stomach, so it no, doesn't so make you're a just a fucking iron gut now. No, I'm not an iron Still gut. I'm trapped. just a I'm just a miserable boy. <laughs> That's really it. I live in a I world. I could do of like one eggnog drink, and I need any more than that. I got to be at home. Or near a toilet. <laughs> it's going to get problematic. And the problem is I love eggnog so much, I will drink the whole carton in the same day. Well, see, like, I don't know if it's Christmas. It's like a Christmas cleanse. I like uh, spiked uh, uh, ciders and stuff, but that's usually like Spiked a- cider's good. I could have said that. I mean, it's, it's very fall, but also I think it's still it's still it rocks during Christmas. Yes, cider is always good. Spiked yeah. cider is good. You do a little, like, hard whiskey and a... Yeah. <sighs> There's something about the fall and winter that's just so magical. I mean, even with Halloween... Yeah. Going Halloween straight through to Christmas, whether or not you celebrate Thanksgiving or not, no, no worries there. But like, it's still like, there's still a, a coming together. There's something that yes. happens during those yes. three months. It's just, it's such a fucking magical time, man. I agree, man. I, I love it, dude. The pageantry of it. Oh yeah. The, the excuse to, you know, give a shit about your fellow man. <laughs> yeah. Is, 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 is great, man. And mm. the older that I get, the more I realize that I need it. Yeah. Like I do. Like, I look forward to it. It's funny. You hear people, like, in the religious connotation, uh, uh, really demonize, like, aspects of whatever pagan culture is. But then I go, yeah, but if you were to take all that shit away, like, just scrub it from the history books, we lose Christmas and, and Halloween. Yeah, it's true. And I'm like, y'all like that shit way too much. I don't think, I don't think we dislike <laughs> what they had going on that goddamn much. I'm not saying you got to be out in the woods pulling some yellow jacket shit, but, yeah, I mean, you want to put some Christmas lights up or put your mask on on Halloween, you know, dress like a sexy bumblebee and drink your eggnog till your shit. I'm like, hey. Well, one would argue Here that we are. one would argue that we're so far from the religious attachment from this yeah. stuff at this point anyway. Yeah, now we're in the marketing. I like I grew up like a semi like a like a tame Catholic, like mm-hmm. a try it out, try me out Catholic. Yeah. But uh the that, was that a was that a reference? That was a reference. <laughs> <laughs> try it out, man. Try it uh, out. <laughs> it's a YMH reference. Um but uh I grew up um Barely a Catholic, and uh, Christmas wasn't about that shit for me. There was yeah. no like, yeah. hey, let's find a bloody Jesus and nail him to the wall and, yeah. and fall down this hole. Yeah. It, it was consumerism and, and and you know capitalism. Yeah, 
we grew up as kids from the 80s when Reagan said, it's okay to advertise the kids. And now mm. we have the entire culture that we have yeah. right now. So Kurt Russell was our Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put Kurt Russell and Snake yeah. on the wall. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, so he's not getting nailed to anything. He's doing the nailing. <laughs> yeah. Escape from Jerusalem. Yeah, it was so nerdy. I did watch, I, I'm sure you've seen it, but I randomly stumbled across it again on YouTube where they played the alternate version or the cut scene, which was the opening for the original Escape from New York. Have you seen this? No. Where he's like in a bank vault and he's like escaping from a bank vault and it's him what? and the other guy that he's robbing with and they get on a subway train and then they... I've never seen you've this. You've never seen this? What? Yeah, there's a whole alternate oh, opening. you got to show me this when we're done. Yeah. 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 It's a whole... <sighs> and it's like all uncolor corrected and it's just all like odds and yeah. ends. But yeah, there was a whole much bigger sequence mm. and then he gets arrested and then he ends up in the beginning of the that movie. That makes sense. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's pretty crazy. It's fun. It's been a good episode, a long episode. I appreciate everybody for uh, sitting through our rants and my rants specifically. Oh, you know what you used to send them off with? Mm. The uh, the the clip from Home Alone, the the movie. <laughs> Home Alone. Not, not Home Alone, the movie. The movie that he's watching in Home Alone. Oh, oh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know the movie Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know the one with the kid, the the kid, his brother, <laughs> the guy from Succession, his brothers in it. I think. Yeah, hold on a second. Let's see. What makes me laugh is there's definitely some Gen Z audience that's going to hear that part and be like, oh, yeah, Home Alone. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, here it, it is. is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, and it's only the clip, too. Nice. Hold on. Let's see if we got an ad when I click this thing. Here we go. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? <laughs> what money? AC said you had some dough for me. That a fact. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. <laughs> Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I tell you what I'm going to give you, snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> keep, keep the, the change, change of filthy, filthy animal <laughs> so good <laughs> that was such a wild clip that was like the actual footage yeah. that they filmed for the television that was on youtube i love macaulay calkin got his hollywood star recently and uh he said at the end of it um he's like merry christmas you filthy animals something like that and i was like oh, it's so great to see that happen for him and have that little callback in there i know i great, know it's great a great stuff great movie great time of year um uh, i hope those of you listening are are either gonna spend it with family or spend it with friends find some way to be happy find some way to make it your own i know there's a lot of folks to feel depressed this time of year it's a pretty hard year for a lot of folks mm. to be in and try to get yourself surround yourself with some people that are gonna have a good time and try to find a good uh, a good time at this time of year because it's it's why the fuck else 
Yeah, man. You Get know, around somebody. Reminisce. Reminisce. Make, make, it, make it new memories. And w- it was hard for Gina and I when we couldn't go home because of COVID and because mm-hmm. we couldn't do all that stuff. And so we built our own traditional thing that was out here. And now I actually like our traditional thing out here mm-hmm. a lot. I do miss going home. I do miss spending the holidays with my family. I do miss cooking with dad, if you're listening. Um, but uh, you can make it you know, just as fun and exciting for yourself. So make it a goal for you this year. If you find yourself depressed in the holidays, how can you change that? How can you make that different? Maybe you do what we're doing. Go do mm-hmm. a Christmas Eve Eve bar crawl, or if you don't drink, go do a Christmas Eve Eve food tour. Mm-hmm. You know, like go do, uh, uh, we're doing Christmas Eve Chinese food, me and Gina, because that traditionally yeah. is a fun thing to do. If you got Amazon Prime, you can do the Amazon watch party. So if your family's not in town with you, you know, hop on there and, and it, it cues it, matches it perfectly. You can pause and stop and start it and watch something with them. Yeah. You know, there's there's ways to, we can connect now. Fortunately, and we live in a time where that's possible. Yeah, man. And uh, big shout out to all of my Jewish friends and all the Hanukkah folks and all Mm -hmm. the people. I love celebrating with everybody. I think this time of year is a great reason to stop work and to just go out and spend Mm -hmm. some time with folks. So I hope the most for each and everybody listening to the show, I'm going to cue something up, Lance. What are you going to (laughs) say? I'm going to talk shit. (laughs) Hold on a second here. I want to end on a certain song. Hold on. Sorry, Mike's the... Handpacking the keyboard. <laughs> Isn't that what they call typing? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end with this. Let's make sure that there isn't an ad. I've been pretty lucky, no ads so far. That's just because YouTube is listening. All right, here we go, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah. Um, uh, as we push through to the back end of this year. Um, we'll, I've had a few new episodes that will drop. I'll probably jump on here again. We'll talk about some of the best episodes of the year. Uh, we'll do a recap. Um, and then Lance and I are going to talk about, uh, some stuff that's coming out, man. Like yeah. we're in the works to do some cool new stuff. Yep. And so as, uh, in love with the process continues into 2024, you're going to see an expanse with the show, a lot more content. I hope you've been enjoying the love sandwich segments. I've been getting a lot of notes on those. People are like, we want more of these love sandwich things. Right on. Which is great. Um, and uh, some other new stuff on the way. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy holidays. And I'll leave you with this classic. If, it, it'll, if it'll play. <laughs> Stand by, everybody. Everybody knows there's not a better time of year Hear that sleigh, Santa's on his way Hip hip hooray for Christmas vacation Got a ton of stuff to celebrate Now it's getting closer, I can't wait Wait and see this Christmas vacation This old house Sure is looking good 
ourselves the finest snowman in the neighborhood. Ain't it fun? Always on the run. That's how it's done on Christmas vacation. Let's go let the homes and light the lights. Get a toasty fire burning bright. Gilfin is the warmest welcome that he's ever had. We're so glad it's Christmas vacation. And when the nights are peaceful and serene, we can cuddle up and do our Christmas dreaming. Peace and joy. Christmas vacation 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 Christ